put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit in my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Hello, everybody! Aldo, i got to ask you right off the top. We know who you are. We're so glad to see you. Your name is Aldo Gandhi. I'm, do, I'm jumping in and doing your introduction. <laughs> Most important question, we're all it's all in our minds. What is the status of Bears right guard Nate Davis? Ah. So what is your status? We want to know what's wrong with you, man. How are you doing? I am uh, doing fine. I'm on the road to recovery. I figured I better make a stop over here because I heard that last week's show had so much dead air that it, the people thought that I had died or something. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've actually uh, felt pretty good. You know, I uh, I asked Ross Reed to do the Gabriel Talks football show today. Uh, and That way I can store up some energy so that this could be my first show back. And uh, I told uh, Tooch and Aaron Mikulski, you know, I want to do that at least the first hour. And then if you guys can kind of pick up the slack afterwards. But if I feel good, I'll go uh, at least a couple of hours. I love you guys. Uh, Dan, a uh, great big hug to you and to Tooch. And you can't hug me. You're, you're not healthy enough to <laughs> hug me. I can do one, one arm around you. But uh, this is the arm where all the action happened. Are you ready for a gory photo here, guys? There's the uh, stitches and there's the uh, – Like, do they itch? I've never uh, had stitches. The stitches don't, actually, but the swollen area, the bruising area, when I do this, it feels so fucking good, man. It feels like I'm being jerked off right now. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the weird thing is that it goes way up my fucking – it gets real ugly. And then I got a couple more uh, incisions here. But, you know, the, the big thing is is that the good folks over at Northwest Community Hospital could have saved uh, the use of my right arm. When I went in last Friday, it was obvious when they couldn't feel a pulse – down here they were like 
yeah, maybe we should get him into the ER right away. <laughs> and my wife said that they're going down this long hallway and they were going so fast. They were basically running with, with the guard that she, she couldn't keep up with them. It was something out of an episode of ER or, or uh, uh, Grey's Anatomy or something like that. Or Chicago, <laughs> whatever the fuck. Yeah, Chicago Med, right. <laughs> um, so they recognize it. And then uh, apparently I've got extra rib growth on both sides but on this side it had uh touched the artery and then created an embolism which is what created the uh the clogged artery down my right arm and so they went in with the second surgery this which was this past friday or thursday i think and uh uh, remove the aneurysm and then shave down that rib so that nothing will happen hopefully ever again on that side. So my TIA, my mini stroke had nothing to do with this. And uh, uh, according to the testing so far, it doesn't look like I'm going to have any further blood clotting if, if I behave, <laughs> which means certain things that I love to do, <laughs> I'm going to have to either curtail or eliminate immediately. Oh no, that doesn't yeah. include that doesn't no. include masturbate. Oh no, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it's still encouraged, I hope. By the way, it kind of like your arm, it looks like you got like a tattooed sleeve. You kind of look like a badass now. Like you <laughs> I was telling the nurses, listen, uh, can you take a look at the scar here and tell me if it looks really cool? Because I want to show off in front of my friends and I want to go up to them and say, you think I'm a tough motherfucker now? Tell me you're a Packer fan. Tell me you're a Packer fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I kind of hold these as a badge of honor, given that uh, everyone that I grew up in my Puerto Rican community had a scar and I, I had a fucking <laughs> toenail <laughs> A fungus or something. <laughs> no, no, no. You had that those uh things, the uh, genital stuff. That's that. That's <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> scarier than my dad's tour nom. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I and I gotta tell you, you know, I don't want to spend the entire segment here talking about uh, hospital stories. But there, there were people want to know, though. People want to know. Like, for everyone's asking me, like, I'm your, I'm your agent. In some ways, like how's Aldo doing? I'm like, look, man, his wife said, don't fuck with him. So he's been on like the mend and like, he's like a mobster in a movie that when they say he's out on the land or whatever, he's hiding from assassination. No one knows how he's doing, but everybody wants to know. So, yeah. Well, and regarding that, you know, on Friday when we we're driving home, um, she tells me, you know what? I think one of the best things for you to do is just stay off of all electronic devices for a week. And I'm like, a week? I got to work. And she goes, this week, and I promised me this week. And I go, yeah, well, here's the phone. You handle it. And as I hand over the phone to her, I go, holy shit, is Dan going to send her a picture of a hairy woman's vagina? No, no, no. <laughs> so she went ahead and uh, and contacted people and said, please, you know, I'm, I'm in charge of the phone now. And it really was great for three days, not opening up my laptop, not looking at my phone. And she looked at everything and relates certain messages to me, particularly on Sunday when I started to feel better. And uh, uh, so, yeah, one of the stories I wanted to share is they put me on this hydrocodone uh, Nortcore. And holy shit, man, it, that's a narcotic, bro. I'm watching TV and then all of a sudden the TV anchorman's face turns into you know, uh, somebody else totally for like a, sp a splash of a second. 
it's like you know in, in the news today and all of a sudden and then back to it i was like fuck i'm tripping out on this shit and so and also produced incredible dreams really fantastic you're like tony soprano on the sopranos when he had those <laughs> Those vivid exactly fever right. dreams. That's exactly right. I forgot about that. One of the dreams was I walk into uh, this uh, all white walls, chrome uh, banisters, all that kind, that kind of official. Is that symbolic of heaven? You think? No, it, well, sort of. It was a place where you could go and they could restore years to your life. And so, you know, I'm being told about uh, some of the processes and so forth. And guess who walks in looking like a like like a 10 month old baby? Bill Maher. (laughs) Still, his face looks exactly the same. But he's walking naked with his little chubby. He's like, you know, complaining about, I wasn't supposed to come back this small and stuff. Those are the kind of dreams that I was having. They were really intense. And I was some wild sexual adventures and stuff. Very, very fucking bizarre. Um, I'm surprising your dream that Bill didn't complain about the writer strike. (laughs) That's That's why he's not doing real time now. He's actually just announced a big run of uh, stand-up comedy days to, because he's just sitting around waiting for the strike then. Mm. Well, I saw him post something on Twitter today, like a uh, a review of Barbie, and he basically, you know, it said the movie was entertaining, but it was a basically an anti anti white man thing, and he went on his screed for uh, four hundred words or, or whatever. Well, I got then, something for you that I've been wanting to, to throw at you. Uh, I'm trying to think who maybe it was Scorsese. It was somebody that you know we know and love and directors that made a point, I forget which one it was, but said the success of Barbie and Oppenheimer mm-hmm. mean a return to cinema because everything doesn't have to be a remake or a comic book movie based upon the, he's like, we should all be happy for Barbie. Even yeah. if it's not your kind of movie, maybe a different type of film can get financed now, not just a fucking comic book movie. I think I it think- was Scorsese. Well, that's interesting because uh, he's kind of anti. Well, he's he's he says that he's anti superhero movie. He says I'm not anti Marvel movie. I don't even know what a Marvel movie is, uh, which is hard to believe. But um, he is a bit of an elitist when it comes to films. But uh, Greta Gerwig, the director of Barbie, is now saying that she wants to do more big budgeted. Uh, movies like that she's kind of feels like i can do a small movie and then jump back into that and that's fucking fantastic if she can fill seats and create that great movie going experience that you and i uh, experience in the tooch and i'm sure everybody in the chat room that's fantastic because that is really one of the great social moments in uh, in human existence is to be in a huge theater with tons of strangers and then laughing at the same thing, crying at the same thing, enjoying the same thing, or even hating the same thing. It's a fantastic experience. When, and, and now with all the t- movie technology, it makes it even more, uh, much better. When you're in a theater, and maybe this is just arrogance for me, do you feel like when it's a packed theater, you can feel the pulse of the other people, like if if, if people are enjoying it or if they're not? Yep, God, I absolutely. feel like a, I can be in a movie and think, man, they're not liking this or they're liking it. And I'm not communicating with anybody. So maybe I'm just a fucking idiot. But sometimes I just feel like the 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 energy in the theater, you just know when everyone's liking it or when they're not. 
Yeah, I will pause once in a while after the screen, but I just I will look around and see reaction to uh, people's faces. I, I love that. By the way, I saw a movie called Five Twenty Seven Seventy Seven. It's the date that Star Wars was released, mm. and there's this great scene. It's about this kid who who wants to grow up to be a filmmaker and make these science fiction movies. His hero is Douglas Trumbull, who did the special effects for 2001 a space odyssey and there's this fabulous scene you're familiar with the movie of course yes. uh where there are short clips from the movie including when the apes are touching the monolith and so forth and he's like a seven-year-old kid and he's just totally transfixed by what's going on in the in, in the, on the screen and then the camera starts to pan around to get reactions from other people and other people are equally transfixed and other people are like sleeping and stuff. It's a great fucking scene because that is exactly the kind of response that movie gets. Uh, I'll send you the title on that because you might be interested in watching it. And if for some reason, I'm telling you, you don't get to the theater because of your condition right now for Oppenheimer, I'm going to have to buy you the 4K or whatever you can watch at your house because you're going to love it. I mean, I'm telling you, it's one of the best films I've seen in like decades, it felt like. I keep hearing that. And that is what has excited me the most is to have a smart movie become such a monumental hit like that one is. And it also speaks to the greatness of Christopher Nolan, who is probably my favorite filmmaker of this generation, him and Tarantino and Tarantino supposedly is going to go away soon. So we'll see. Nolan is is gifted artist. One more um, TV thing before we get in bears, because I know there's sure. probably somebody that's saying, fuck you guys, let's talk about training camp. <laughs> exactly. What, but since we're going reverse and doing TV and movies first, did you see Winning Time on Sunday? Because it, it came back Sunday night. Yes, it, it did. Um, I did watch it, and I loved it. I did, and, too. And I hate Magic Johnson, <laughs> but I loved it. It's just so fucking well done. And I know there's a lot of artistic license taken with the characters. I'm almost starting to feel sorry for Jerry West because they really are using him as comedy foil only. You know, I think a lot of that stuff is totally, totally fucking made up about how neurotic he was. I'm sure he was neurotic to a degree, but the filmmakers have decided let's really you know, blast this over the top. He, he, it's And he's become a, 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 the, the main joke storyline. But uh, yeah, the, the main storylines this week is that Magic has a child out of wedlock and his uh, agent advisor says, let's keep this in the hush hush. We don't want Hertz, you know, uh, turning away from our deal and stuff like that. And his parents are just furious with him. He suffers that knee injury for the second season. And it's just so fucking well. And there's that huge tension between he and Kareem. Yes. Because he's like, well, I won game six without you. And mm -hmm. Kareem's got to say, but, but. I'm not washed up. I can still carry the team without young buck. And so you got that dynamic and we know what's on the horizon. You saw, uh, uh, uh fuck Jerry bus was talking about, we got to beat free agency and lock people up. So he's going to give magic this huge deal. Mm -hmm. And as a result, it's going to create all this tension and, and it's ultimately going to get Westhead fired. So yeah. when they say you're the reason Westhead got fired, he says, fuck this. I want to trade. I want out of here. So, but it's going to culminate with them winning an 82. So, but it looks mm -hmm. like this this season's going to go all the way to 84, though, because it right. started out with the clip of them winning at the Boston Garden. Mm -hmm. and yeah, now it's I, only seven episodes, I think I heard. Is that correct? Really? Uh, I I don't know that for sure, but.
Uh, I'd be surprised with, excuse me, with the budget that it takes to do that show. And because all of that basketball stuff is done in a gym where the walls are covered with green screen and they go in and digitally put in the fans and the stands and all that. That's that's a hell of a lot of money right there. And and uh, the music clearances, the cost for clearing all that, those those sounds from that era. It's it's not a cheap show. And, and frankly, I don't mind it being that many episodes if the quality is a one. And that episode was a one. Good stuff. I got one more thing for you before we go. Uh, Bears. I had never seen, there's a De Palma film I had never watched, and I just watched it, and I was dying to text you. I was like, ah, leave Aldo alone. Leave him a fuck alone. <laughs> Have you seen The Fury? Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it was really good. I had never watched it until uh, whatever night I saw it. I think it was the same night winning time. It was on Sunday. Mm -hmm. A gorgeous Amy Irving uh, plays a woman with these telekinetic powers. And it's uh, ironic because she was in Carrie and was Carrie had the powers against her. And now she's got powers. Yep, exactly. And I uh, brought Brian De Palma knew how to spot him, man. <laughs> he was <laughs> like, you're going to be the star of my next picture, sweetie. <laughs> and I, I guess spoiler alert, right? You know, we can give away uh, this ending because I, the movie's I, from 78. I mean, 1978. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of the best fucking endings I've ever seen in movie history. Would you agree with that? That was really well done. And I was reading that they had to do it a few times too. So oh, with God. the body exploding and stuff. Yes. Yes. Very, very reminiscent in a different way of scanners. Mm -hmm. The Cronenberg movie where the heads would blow off and stuff. Right. But right. this was the whole body. It yes. kind of looked like something on Mortal Kombat, you know, like fatality when someone would just blow the other one to shit, you know? Yeah, it's the John Cassavetes character, and then there's this overhead shot, and shit is flying all over the place, and all of a sudden, on the left part of the screen, here comes Cassavetes head floating through the screen. Oh, my God, that was so good. I walked out of the movie theater with a heart on. It was so well fucking and, done. And Kirk Douglas, if by, I grew up, Kirk Douglas was old. You know what I mean? Michael Douglas was my my generation of, sure. of an actor. But seeing him at least middle-aged there and kind of still like could do love scenes and still be sort of a ladies' man, he's so much like his son. It's unbelievable. It's like Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen. They're just yeah. fucking, they're almost like brothers. They're so similar. Yeah, they, they really are replicas of one another. And uh, I, I watched a lot of old uh, Kirk Douglas movies, and he was quite the force in Hollywood. He came in uh, on a couple of movies, and on the set, he would start telling the director, despite he had no, despite, despite the fact he had no star power, he would start telling the director, I think you should put the camera over here. I think you should do this. I think you should do that. And within a few years, he had his own production company, and he just grew to be very powerful he had a really good sense about what would work and what wouldn't work uh and he actually uh, worked with kubrick in one of my favorite movies uh kubrick's one of my favorite directors paths of glory a great anti-war movie and then uh when uh kirk douglas had problems with the uh, alan mann i believe it was the director of spartacus he brought in uh kubrick to uh do about the last 80 percent of that movie so uh good stuff hey one last uh story regarding my health issue please um, cause I think it's pretty funny. I, uh, 
that first surgery when they rushed me in, I guess the pipe that they put down my throat, I, I guess they must have fuck, fucking jammed it in there like a fucking Magic Johnson was jamming that girl in bed <laughs> in the winning time season Do you two. Do think episode. her pubic hair was superimposed or was it real? I think that was totally real. <laughs> she had a bush, man. Wow. She sure did. And so they jammed this thing down my throat. And when I woke up and was conscious and stuff, my uvula, you know, the, the the thing that hangs down, a lot of people call it your throat, but your throat is on the sides there. My uvula, the little thing that hangs down like that, had swollen to about three times its size. God. So I would cough, and you would see my uvula laying on top of my tongue. And I would swallow, and this thing would come down like this. And so it reminded me, let's see if I still have this picture. Um yeah, here it is. This is <laughs> that's my uvula. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what is that? I mean, obviously, I know it's supposed to be balls, but what movie is that? <laughs> this is a movie. Uh, Hugh Jackman. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Claire uh, Winstead. What? Not Claire. The Titanic chick. Oh, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet, uh, they start in a comedy, a dating comedy. And then she's on a blind date with this guy. They walk into the restaurant. He takes off his scarf and <laughs> he takes off his scarf and coat. Hey, Mr. Shorty. And uh, reveals that he's got uh, a neck that looks like balls. And that's exactly how it felt to me. And I'm asking these guys, can you fucking give me something to reduce the size of my uvula? Because <laughs> this is what it feels like. Uh, anyway, that's my my life story there. Well, I do have one more thing. I know we keep saying that. It's all right. Cook but is, and fine. I said this before we came on air, but I want to say it to everybody else. Uh, it doesn't matter what you said because that was a private message to me, and it was the first time you had, you had contacted me since all this. You since you got home, mm -hmm. and it's good to hear you laughing because the juxtaposition from your message to now. In my opinion, I mean, you said that I wasn't necessarily correct. And, and obviously, you know you more than I do. Mm -hmm. But it felt like you were afraid earlier. It felt like you were just really down, depressed, and just worried, if not afraid, is the way I took it. So to hear you laugh now, I just, it, it's, that's why we do the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I and I told you this before the show, you know, at my age and when you're in your mid sixties, you start kind of preparing yourself for old age and, and eventual death. We know we're a lot closer to the end than we are at the beginning. And so I've kind of come to the, you know, the acceptance that, you know, I could fall asleep or something could happen to me and that I won't exist anymore. I will have no breathing sensation. I won't be able to see anything. I won't be able to feel anything. It's just going to be blank. And, you know, people are going to say, well, don't you believe in an afterlife? Uh, I'm agnostic. If, you know, if I come through, uh, through it and experience an afterlife, I'll let you guys know so you guys won't have to worry about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And so my my biggest fear really is leaving my family uh, in a position where I could be physically debilitated. Like this could have been a serious physical debilitation, but not 
to the point where they would have had to have wiped my ass, you know. But I could get if I get more blood clots, I could end up being a guy that needs help in that type of way. And I don't want to put my wife to that. No fucking way. Send me into a home. Send me somewhere. Send me out of the way. I don't want to be a burden on my kids and my wife in that way. I absolutely will not do that to them, especially with my wife coming off of five, six years of having to have done that for her mom and, and dad. So, um, so, you know, I, I, I don't feel uh, that, you know, uh, sad in any way. I, in fact, I feel very, very happy. Uh, my energy levels go up and down as one might expect. You know, I, t- I think I told you before the show, we went, Don and I went for a walk. And when I got back, man, I said, okay, I'm going to crawl in the bed and take a nice 20 minute <laughs> nap here because uh, 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 one of the things that I got to stay on top of now, uh, you asked me about what kind of rehabilitation. Well, what, one thing that's really important is my heart. I got to keep an eye on my heart, make sure that it's getting proper exercise, not overdoing it, strengthening the heart because it can, it can go through a, a tumultuous time when you go under the knife. Uh, knife uh, two times in in, uh, in, in, a, in less than a week. So, you know, it's shit like that. But um, um, I you also told you. perfect venue right beside you, though. You yeah, could go yeah to absolutely. Hill. You could go to yeah. Peyton's Hill. I don't mean running up the damn hill like Walter, but no. I just mean all that, just all that good at, at places to walk. Yep. And I've never taken my wife up there. So uh, maybe we'll do that tomorrow. But uh, the one thing I, I, I told you, um, and oh, it just escaped my mind that um oh forget it i'll remember it wasn't that important i guess uh but in any case i feel very you told me that you felt 10 years older which is what i was like i was like no 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 if you color your hair and your beard you look 10 years younger i was like don't forget that i was like look i'm not clairvoyant and i'm not god but i think you're going to be okay i really i feel that for some reason yeah, you know, I, I I hope you're right. I hope I live for a long time, and I'm laughing uh, with Foster and Shorty and everyone else here and everywhere uh, over the next 10, 20 years. That's what I want. I'm very, very content with my life, uh, What uh, the closeness with my friends and my family. This has all been a great fucking ride. I, I wouldn't mind sticking, you know, let's take this roller coaster one more time around. Let's do it. Let's at least get another Bears Super Bowl before we both die. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's a perfect segue to what we're going to talk about right now. You know, I was on uh, Shorty's show uh, uh, maybe two months ago, and I he asked me for a prediction. I said 14 and 3, and with each passing day, I'm starting to think to myself, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get lucky and get this thing right. <laughs> Like with Jenkins and Davis, that still bothers me. I think they've got a little bit of cap space. Maybe they mm-hmm. should invest in another lineman. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. There are some depth issues, which is why I titled this show uh, Depth, because I, I think that's the biggest thing we're going to be looking for at this Saturday when the Bears play the Titans. You know, the starters are not going to get much of a look. It's going to be guys that are fighting for positions or guys trying to solidify their, uh, well, where'd that come from? <laughs> hey, Joaquin. Um, 
so uh, so that's the key thing to to look for is, you know, the Jets Harry Carters, who's been playing a lot of right guard in that Davis's uh, absence. He's probably going to start uh, this game, and whoever comes in after him, who are these guys? How are they play against the Titans and stuff? That's going to be the main focus. We have got to develop depth and. You're absolutely right, Dan. He's got the money. Ryan Poles does. He's got the first uh, waiver selection uh, for the first two, three weeks of the season. So there are going to be opportunities here to uh, replenish this roster. Now, I don't think that there's any of these injuries are serious uh, to threaten anyone from not starting the season. Nate Davis was at camp today. They had a, a practice without pads on but I, I got a feeling we might see him practice uh a little bit this week and if not this week then maybe in preparation for the second preseason game um certainly you want to see the new guys you know get some their reps in there so that the line can get some cohesion but I, I, I tell me where your comfort level or or concern level is with the bears depth right now well uh i'm glad that they got in that was massive uh, and again, it's unfortunate that's right during the time that you were at, you know, your worst, not knowing exactly what was going to happen yet. So you couldn't just do an emergency broadcast like five years ago when they got Khalil Mack, which maybe it's not worth that anyway, but I hope it is. But um, I still, maybe they could still get Miles Garrett. They've got money, you know, maybe get him like a one year, $5 million deal just to bring him in, just to help get more pressure. Mm -hmm. Um you know, just to come in like the way the Packers used uh, Julius Peppers when he was a little bit older, they just said, we don't need you to stop the run. Just go get the quarterback. And he was great at it. Mm -hmm. But obviously the offensive line still bothers me. I really like the Mercedes Lewis pickup for the third tight end. Yeah. I mean, the guy's older than I am, I think, and, and still in the league. <laughs> and But we saw what he did the last three years with Green Bay. He helped with the running game. Then eventually it'd be like third and 17 and – and everyone forgets him. He catches it and lumbers for 18 yards, and it's a first down. So maybe he can mm -hmm. do that for us. But the short answer is I still got to worry about the D-line and the offensive line, I think, more than anything with depth. Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, the, the middle of the, the defensive line, uh, a lot of young guys, so it's going to be important to see how quickly they can progress and start making plays. Uh, but, you know, Jervon Dexter is a fucking physical freak. And Darnell Wright at the right tackle, another physical freak. I mean, they're, they're, the talk with uh, Wright that he's doing flips and doing athletic things that you, you wouldn't expect to see out of a man of that massive size. And Dexter is just beginning to be allowed to bull rush uh, the interior offensive lineman. And that's what, what he's already good at. You put some nice uh, – uh, you know, technical things into his pass rush scheme. He's going to be a force, but how quickly can he get there is the big question. So uh, the outside pass rush, you know, I got a, the depth chart was released today and I know it's going to be updated like every fucking two, three hours or, or whatever. But the first one that came up had Travis Gibson, like at the fifth defensive lineman. And I think that's a bad sign for him. I think, what they did there, you know, and this is a, a, according to stuff that Greg has told me over the last two years, is that they will do stuff to, to light a fire under somebody's ass, you know. And so they're essentially saying, you know, dude, you got to get your shit together because if not, you're not going to make this squad. And by the way, guess who might need a uh, defensive lineman uh, in case you're thinking about trading Travis Gibson? It's none other than 
There he is. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Pace is in need of a defensive lineman. There might be an opportunity here to make a trade. You're not going to get much for Gibson. It was Pace that drafted him in the fifth round, I believe, out of Arkansas in 20, uh, 2020 or, or yeah, 2020, I think it was. And so he may want him back. Uh, and so, so you probably would get a sixth or seventh. Uh, or maybe you, you you trade one of their struggling players uh, at a position of need. We'll see. But uh, <clears throat> Gibson really has to show us something. He had that that seven sack season, and since then uh, haven't seen him around much. <laughs> I, I see somebody with this number on the field, but he's not really doing anything. <laughs> Tulsa, thank you, Tucci. Yeah. Johnny's on Tucci. I love you. <laughs> it was we were, we had so high, so many high hopes for him because. Khalil Mack, albeit he was still here in 21, Gibson was doing a lot of his work with Mack hurt. Mm -hmm. It's not like Mack was on the field, and that's the only reason Gibson was getting sacks. So it looked like, oh, man, this guy's ascending. Kind of like Mark mm -hmm. Anderson, if you remember, in the Super Bowl year. And mm -hmm. then suddenly in 07, 08, he just falls off. It, Gibson had that same kind of season. We are like, well, where's the motherfucker from last year? Yeah, exactly. So this is make or break for him here in Chicago. Yeah. And I know some people have studied film and said, you know, well, after the 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 Bears uh, allowed uh, the or made the tra trade with Quinn and there was no Mac around that Gibson was facing more double teams and uh, there wasn't the defense middle of the defensive line help that a defensive end needs in order to perform at a higher level. And he has told the media Gibson has that, you know, he started to kind of become a little bit more self-aware of where he was at and what he was doing and towards the latter part of the season started to play better. And so he helps to continue that moving forward. So we'll see. He's definitely an, a guy to keep an eye on. And I think that depth chart thing was, was, was a, was a, a little push, a little fire under the ass here. Come on, Travis, you know, uh, now that it, then that way is here. Yeah. We could put you down at fifth and, and not have to worry about you being upset about it. So we'll see. That's going to be one of the great things to watch. You know, almost any, any player that the bears, I won't say any of the 90 players, but probably, um, a, a vast majority of them, you know, some of these not very well-known players, I want to see how they do. This, These are the types of games really where if you're going to look at the all 22 or you're going to go look back at it, you want to see what guy, how guys' defensive backs are getting off their blocks to get to the ball carrier. You want to see how offensive linemen are keeping their balance on pass rushes. You want to see how the tight ends are holding their blocks and then breaking out for the run. You want to see all those technical th things because they may not get onto the stat line much, but you evaluate these players by these little things. And and so I, I love these preseason preseason uh, uh, football. My wife was kidding me. I bet you Dying, you could be there on Saturday to watch the Bears Titans. I love <laughs> almost as much as I wish I could be there for the Packer Bears game week yeah. one. <laughs> By the way, any new news on that, or have you decided who you're taking? No, uh, well, we confirmed it again. Uh, we're talking shop on on air here, but uh, that's that's quite all right. Um, the two tickets were like seven hundred and ten dollars, and you immediately said, "I'll pay you for one of them." Because initially I said, "Can I? Would you be okay if I bought a ticket and then just stayed at your house?" And you're like, "Well, just get two, and I'll pay for one." Right. So <laughs> you paid me like within days. So I felt like I couldn't just give that ticket to somebody without <clears throat> talking to you first. So our man, yeah. Sanjin Jovanovic, aka Sonny, 
mm-hmm. says, well, ask Aldo if I can go. He's like, I'll pick you up at the house. Yeah, it's right. It's it's a heterosexual date, platonic date. <laughs> it's supposed to take me to Serbian uh, cuisine for his culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, said he'll take me back and forth to your house. No, there'll be no sex. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> but yeah, so the way it's looking. He's a very handsome so, man, that sounds. So, yes, we <laughs> met him at the Minnesota game. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be going to the Packers game. Uh, my friend Sylvester, who I've been friend, you've we've had him on the show twice. Good guy. I've been friends with him over thirty years. I'll be it. You'll think this is funny now. I don't even know if I told you this point. We legitimately got into a feud for like four or five years over Jay Cutler because <laughs> he was trying to tell me that Tim Tebow was better, and I'm just like, that's bullshit. Yeah. And like I would, I was like, I don't even want to fucking talk to you anymore. So we were in a feud over Jay Cutler. He's a Denver fan, uh, which we got over that nonsense. But we've been legitimate friends since fucking Reagan was president. So he said he'll come to the Denver game. And then Heidi is going to go to the Raiders game. And I got to shout out Ron. Yes. Because like I told you, this is the absolute truth. I didn't know Ron. You didn't know Ron. So I made all of these games to try to be an incentive. Pardon me. You know, maybe it's true that Ron would have still given us the tickets, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that. So I made all these games to try to sweeten it, like, give us those tickets, Ron. And he did. Yeah. He came through. I couldn't wait to tell you. I got him when you, again, I couldn't message you. <laughs> and I was just like, we got him. Oh, we got him. Of course, you can't go now, which is not your fault. It's, it's just, it's life. But Heidi's going to go, and Heidi's coming in from Mexico, and that's exciting. Yeah, there was never a doubt in my mind that Ron was going to come through with those tickets, uh, particularly when I learned that he owns a Culver's. You know, what is there more of an all-American, high-integrity place than Culver's hamburgers, those, those butter burgers? Mwah! You ever had a Culver's? Yeah. I've never even heard of the franchise. Really? Holy shit. Hopefully, well, he's going to take you to, uh, to a Culver's, and uh, you're going to fucking love it. Gonna love it. If, well, I'm uh, supposed to meet him either Green Bay's day or Denver's day because he's going to be at both of those games. So definitely right. want to shake his hand and take a photo. He's been at these practices a couple times and has said some good things to me, man. He said that uh, Darnell Mooney's looking good, Eddie mm-hmm. Jackson's looking good, and not only oh they like they look like they're in sh- like shape physically, but they're running well. Because yeah. there's no way you couldn't worry about them coming back considering they got hurt in the Jets game, right? Didn't both of them get hurt in the Jets game? And that was like late November, December. So to have a major injury and you're talking about basically half a year to be back, I mean, you know, you got to be skeptical of that. So he said they look great though. That is outstanding news. I've heard of that also from various reports. Uh, I want to I want to bring the Tooch in. He's got a bare state of affairs. I also want to see his cute little face. Uh, let me set up my background here. Put him there. Put not. Let's do it this way, and then bring him in. There he is. Hey, how are you, brother? Hey, Aldo. Glad to see you back on the air. Mm-hmm. Was out here. Was like had some internet issues. I found that my my MacBook was hitting my iPhone hotspot instead of connecting directly to the Wi-Fi. So it's like ah. the lag when I was like trying to run these things last week. It's like I'd click something, it wouldn't do anything. Then I click it again, it would keep. I was, it was a nightmare. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I uh, went back to take a look at the start of the show. 
<laughs> there like, you are. Fuck. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Desperately trying to look at how, what the fuck do I, do I do? I'm yeah, live. I, was, I know I'm live. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, like how the Dan, you have a swinging light bulb. I think when you come, you. Yeah. When I come, I, how do you know I, that's I, what I do when I come? When, uh, Dan, Dan sex life, yeah, all, all those uh, health issues. <laughs> you know, I, uh, last week, Aldo, we I told you this, I think in text, but we were joking that just because of circumstances, I know, but you're becoming Kevin White. <laughs> <laughs> you're missing the season now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> didn't know how bad you were hurt, and now you're out for the season. It's like it's been a big secret. You're Kevin White. Oh man, I'm starting to feel like Kevin White. Although I never had the six pack that he has, the eight pack that dude is ripped. He definitely is. Yeah. He's still in the league too, right? Isn't he with like Arizona or somewhere? I, I think he's battling for a spot somewhere. Um, that's you know, when you when you talk Arizona about disappointing draft picks, that's that's one of them, you know, because you know there was all there were there was a lot of negative speculation about him because he didn't know the route tree. It was like Sidigopos run for it, and he was very good at that. But uh, and then uh, Philatoshin, I, I guess he was friends with one of the Bears wide receivers dads and and he was feeding him in some information that white never really uh uh poured much attention into the playbook and so that was a mess and and that's like the you would think if he was hurt so long not trying to denigrate him what would you be doing when you're hurt though study the fucking playbook yeah hanging out with magic johnson and fucking girls <laughs> <laughs> did you watch winning time tooch i haven't yet i forgot I know oh, you, you I texted me too, and I just forgot completely. I've been so it's busy. good shit, man. I got man. I uh, I was telling I told my my uh, little tour of Iowa. Although I went to the Field of Dreams, yeah, uh, ran the bases and stuff, and we were tubing on the Iowa River, and I got E. coli poisoning from the river. Fucking what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> today is like the first day I actually felt good, man. I was like shit, and my brain's out for ten days. <laughs> <laughs> now, Alita, Alita, the girls and I, my wife, like, was, you know, I don't know, maybe because uh, the, the rivers in the Philippines are just dirty or something, but the girls and I got, got you know, we got sick and stuff, you know, we got back from the trip. <laughs> Fucking, I had to do the uh, the fecal panel, I'll tell you that, you never want to do that, they give you like three little vials, you got to shit in a little tray. And fucking scooping into the little fucking sorry, I'm like ruining the show. No, no, you're not. You're, <laughs> I, I ruined it. The tray. <laughs> fucking yeah, it's like a half a semicircle that fits on the back half of the toilet bowl. You take it, dump it, and then they give you like each vial has a little tiny spoon. You got to scoop your fucking. See, Aldo, things are so much better for you. I told you. You could be shitting in little trays. Yeah. Well, yeah. guess what, Dan? I forgot to tell you. You remember you you asked me, have you ever had a catheter in? And oh said, yeah, yeah. Fuck no, no fucking way. They're gonna put one of those in me. Well, guess what they did in surgery? Oh no, <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Catheterized. Yep. Were you awake when they you took wake it up? out? What the fuck no. Did you do to me? <laughs> I was not awake. I, I, I which was fortunate. It would have been humiliating. I'm taking out the tweezers and saying, okay, where the fuck do we put this thing in? <laughs> so, but man. And afterwards, I was, I would, the next uh, three days of pissy was nothing but pure burning sensation. Oh, yeah, awful. Shit, yep. man. It was a little fucking worse. So anyway, it's like you had gonorrhea or something. Then. <laughs> Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. 
<laughs> See, I, I was awake when I got Kathy. You're like, you're asleep. You're like, you wake up. Someone's been fucking down there, man. <laughs> That's right. A man's uh, biggest fear is going to sleep at like, a, a party it. and then waking up and there's Vaseline all over your anus. Like, oh. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. The dildo of consequences rarely arrives lubed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the food was awful, brother. The food uh, at the hospital was awful. The nurses were very cute. Uh, but uh, to be totally honest with you, I, the last thing I was thinking about was sex when I was there. What I wanted to yeah. think about was getting back at home and because uh, that bed was fucking uncomfortable. That, the, the Northwest Community Hospital, they've updated one section of the hospital and it's, they refer to it as the Taj Mahal, and then the the other tower, they refer to it as the Red Roof Inn. I was in the Red Roof Inn. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> this is the head of nurses who told me that. <laughs> that You're like, can I go to the other side then? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what do I got to do? I got money? <laughs> Get me out I'm of dying, the- for God's sake. <laughs> I have Sorry. a catheter. <laughs> <laughs> Although, remember when I told that story about my Aunt Phyllis? That's the hospital she called 911 to get her out of the Red Roof. Oh, really? She was like, she hated it there. She was like, they wouldn't let her leave and stuff. And then they took her to, the 911 took her to another hospital. That's wild. (laughs) Well, you know, I've had uh, good experiences there. I've had some bad experiences. uh, But uh, generally, they come through. The people who work there are, are, are pretty good. Northwest Community Hospital in Arlington Heights, Mark. Heidi, te quiero. Thank you very much for uh, joining us today. And uh, Heidi's been such a sweetheart. She sends me a message. You don't have to respond. I just want to tell you I'm thinking about you and so forth. She's she's a a, a, a sweetheart. Swanky is uh, Lisa Ann, the nurse uh, at. Uh, this has to be a porn movie title. Murph Milf Camp. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who Lisa Ann is, guys? I don't. Lisa no. Ann is a very famous porn star uh very shapely silicone boss and so forth and i think that she's left the business now and is has a very profitable career in fantasy football uh i saw a feature on her on some news show and so uh uh, so that's where i know her from from fantasy football (laughs) <laughs> have to get her on fantasy football goon <laughs> there you go <laughs> i guess i'm get still her. the only the only person that doesn't like fantasy football well if you uh if she was hosting your fantasy football show might, might uh, like uh, you'd like it yeah we got to get her on so i can get off <laughs> have any pictures of her? <laughs> yeah i'll find a picture but first why don't All you right. do your bare state of affairs and then on the other end i'll have some lisa ann pictures for you to salivate over all right, All right, so I will play the open for you, uh, Miss. Uh, by the way, your Wi-Fi connection is so much fucking better. It's, oh, it is okay, good. Yes, it I is think it so was well. hitting hit my iPhone using my iPhone as a hotspot. It's like what the fuck? Why it happen? would do that? I have no idea. It's because she loves you. <laughs> I think he's mute. And it put me on mute. I didn't put myself on mute. All yeah. muted me. He was playing a joke on me, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bears state of affairs. Off-season week 30. Can you believe it's been like seven months since we saw Bears football? Seven months. Let that sink in. 
All right, what's happening, Barflies? Well, Bears training camp is sizzling, and the team just released its first official depth chart. Not only that, but Ryan Poles finally caved in, felt the pressure, fan pressure, signed a pass rusher. The big news here is this guy. Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe. The Bears have a real bona fide, certified, electrified pass rusher now. Signing the 28-year-old free agent to a one-year deal on Friday worth a guaranteed cool 10 mil. Now, when I say polls cave to fan pressure to sign a pass rusher, well, that is the God's honest truth. According to polls, fans pestered him at his son's Little League games and pestered the Bears GM all the way to Maui while he was on vacation. Bulls <laughs> quoted to say, gotta love the Bears fan base and how passionate they are, Bulls said with a smile. So, to all those rude, obnoxious, annoying fans who tracked down Poles and hounded him to sign a pass rusher, I have one thing to say. Mission accomplished! Yeah! And Gakwe, 28, has 65 career sacks over 110 games. He had nine and a half sacks last season. He's had no fewer than eight sacks in each of his seven years in the NFL. Now, a reminder, the Bears posted just 20 sacks over 17 games last season. And the team leader, Dan Aguirre, will tell you it was safety Jaquan Brisker with four sacks. Wow. Yeah, as well. And Gakwe has ties to the Bears defensive line coach, Travis Smith, who coached him with the Indianapolis Colts. And reading between the lines here, Bears fans might notice a signal that Poles may think this team has a chance to win their division or contend for a playoff berth. Signing Ngakwe tells both fans and players that the Bears organization will do whatever they can to put the team into a position to win this season if things go favorably. God, please, let them go favorably. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be Bears' state of affairs without one of Tucha's dick picks. And Danny, yeah, he's made it he's made it twice in a row this week. <laughs> Colin Cowherd, two weeks in a row is Tucha's dick pick. Yep. Uh, on his show recently, Cowherd compiled a list of quarterbacks whom he felt would never win a Super Bowl. Among those quarterbacks who made his list was the late Dwayne Haskins. Yes. Oh, it, 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 seems, it seems Howard had no idea that Haskins was killed in April of last year. Oh, my oh God. My what God. a fucking idiot. <laughs> and, well, barring any type of reanimation or reincarnation, technically, Cowter is right that Haskins will not be winning a Super Bowl from beyond the grave. <laughs> <laughs> What's amazing wow. is that is that Calturd completely forgot that the 24-year-old former first-round pick out of Ohio State was allegedly drugged, blackmailed, and robbed before being hit by a dump truck on a South Florida highway. Kind of hard to forget that detail. Mm. Not only that, but this tragedy was everywhere. Every media outlet discussed it when it happened, including Calturd on his own show. What the hell? <laughs> Making matters worse, 90-year-old Gil Brandt insisting on air that Haskins was still alive. You can't make this shit up. Oh. Fa-pa, fa-pa, fa-pa. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Bears, oh. Gotta love it. 
All right. <laughs> in, in other Bears news, it looks like Cairo Poppy Santos has won the Bears kicking competition as rookie free agent Andre Schmidt was waived today. As well, the Bears signed former Packers tight end Mercedes Lewis and this guy, another tight end named Lachlan Pitts, who has the hairiest neck since Kyle Orton. That is Bears State of Affairs! <laughs> nice one there, Mr. Santucci. Oh, uh, Colin Cowherd uh, how do you make how do you make that shit up? You know. Oh my gosh! I, uh... You don't see where the the Orioles took their their play by play guy off the air just because yeah. he talked about how they would lost a bunch of games to the Rays, mm-hmm. and they fucking stripped him of his gig. He didn't say anything like Tom Brenneman or, you know, he just was talking about stats that he was given by like the team. And they yep. made a graphic for it, and he got fucking fired or suspended. It's crazy. Yeah. I uh, I saw that video. I saw that he was basically just reading the stats, and it was like, what the fuck are these people doing? Uh, by the way, I found some uh, pictures of Lisa Ann. This is Lisa Ann in MILF camp. Um, wow. So I'm sure that's wow. something that uh, you guys could uh, handle. In your younger days, <laughs> or in my middle age days, <laughs> and then this is her on her fantasy football show nowadays. So you know what she looks like a little bit like Lisa Guerrero. Yeah, she does. Oh, by the way, her most famous uh, porn movie was she starred as in a parody version of Sarah Palin, and it was called Nailin Palin. I've got that. <laughs> That's Lisa Ann. Yeah, she's fucking Joe the Plumber on it. She remember Joe the Plumber? She fucked Joe the Plumber. She fucked, Oh, Senator McCain, yeah. And then, of course, oh, Senator Obama. I've always liked him black, you know. <laughs> uh, I've got that film. <laughs> that's funny you didn't even know the actresses yeah i didn't know i wasn't like uh, i didn't like i hated palin's politics so much that i didn't even notice like her you know her i really didn't look at her that way but i bought the the thing because it's hilarious like her fucking obama and mccain and like i said even joe the plumber Jesus. I can't remember if she fucked Michelle, but I hope she did. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to the topic of football here. Uh, I want to get uh, uh, Tucci's takes on Saturday's game. You know, uh, the theme of tonight's show is depth. We want to take a look at – we want to talk a little bit about some of these depth players who are going to get some showtime uh, experience against the Titans. You know, we talked a little bit about that right guard position. Jatari Carter is a guy that I'm going to keep my eyes on. This is his second year with Nate Davis having missed so much camp. This guy, this kid should be ready to play and, and ready to play. Anybody, uh, Tooch, on the offensive or defensive lines that uh, you want to keep an eye on in, on Saturday's game? Well, I, I'm wondering if, if Ngakwe will play at all. I doubt it. But mm. I, I'd, like, I'd like to see those two uh, – uh, uh, Pickens and and Dexter, you mm-hmm. know that, the two guys I really want to see. Yeah. You know, then of course the uh, the cornerbacks that they drafted this year, both of them making some noise. In fact, you saw mm-hmm. Kendall Vilder down at the bottom of that depth chart. Like mm-hmm. I think Dan will be happy if he's gone. <laughs> I, Aldo and I have gone. We been on polar opposites of that. He's been like, oh, Ken, he's got some upswing. I'm like, does he? I don't know. But Aldo's always believed in him, and I've never believed in him. So and yeah. then. 
On the Titan side, you know, they signed uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who uh, looks to be rejuvenated uh, by all accounts coming out of Titans camp. That'll be something to watch. I, doubt, I mean, I doubt he'll play throughout the season, though. They, they haven't had a good wide receiver in a long time in mm-hmm. Tennessee. Since they had A.J. Brown. Yeah. Yep. He's a beast, man. You saw how good he was in yeah. Philly. Yep. So, um, uh, one, one more thing. I'm interested to see what's going on at corner. So, Stevenson is being outplayed by the, the fifth-round pick. Is that correct? That's what everyone keeps saying, that allegedly is at camp saying that this is what's happening. On the depth chart, where do they have Stevenson versus the fifth-round pick? I can't even think of his name right off the top, man. Terrell Smith. Terrell Smith and Tyree like Stevenson are, are both listed as the backups to Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon. So, yeah. But Gordon's going to be on the inside, right? So one of them is going to start on the outside. Correct. Um, and so right now, uh, let me see if the depth chart that I'm looking at now, which is on the Bears website, doesn't have it listed like the one I saw on social media. So I'll, I'll take a look at that. But your point about uh, Stevenson being outplayed by Smith, yeah, that was the story the first week or so out of camp. But I, I think Stevenson has been catching up. He is starting to get more comfortable uh, and, and he's starting to show up a little bit more. That's obviously one of the close uh, uh, battles to watch. And who knows, maybe it it could come to the point where Poles will say, I need a veteran. I I need a veteran to to be the starter while these two guys continue to improve. Uh, I don't want to go with a rookie there. So I would not at all be surprised if the next Bears acquisition is an outside cornerback. But uh, we'll see. So, But right now, uh, let me continue to look for that depth chart. And um, at the safety position, Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker behind those two starters, Elijah Hicks and A.J. Thomas. And then the next set of guys, Adrian Colbert, Kendall Williamson. See, I, I, I really need Elijah Hicks to show because A.J. Thomas, Adrian Colbert, Kendall Williamson, I, I don't know about these guys. So a little bit of concern with the defensive backfield. What do you guys think? Well, statistically, they were getting interceptions last year despite no pass rush at all. And, you know, I mean, I know Eddie got hurt. Like I said, he was having a bounce-back season. And I'm not going to say they're going to be better than even last year because maybe that was an aberration. But Mm -hmm. you'd like to think with a good draft pick and Gordon feeling more comfortable, if they can stay healthy, you know, the secondary should be better. But like you said, we're talking depth here. So I don't know much about the latter two guys that you were mentioning either. Yeah. Any thoughts there, Tucci? Yeah, I mean, the depth at safety is concerning, although. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, what, any injury to those guys. Uh, you talked about uh, signing a quarterback. I, I think they, they're going to be looking on the street for someone cut, you know, uh, for uh, at the safety position. Where's Maybe DHC of- now? He's still on the street. Maybe they bring him back. I mean, he's I great in special surprised. teams and could always come in if you need somebody in a pinch. Right. I would would not at all be surprised, you know, in the, and again, depth charts mean very little. I, I think they're used more now to – help inspire players but when you look at this the one that was published by kevin fishbane 
uh, look at where Kendall Vildor is. Look all the way lower right-hand corner. So he's officially wow. behind Kyler Gordon, Terrell Smith, Josh Blackwell, Michael Ojemodia, the kid from Iowa, uh, Tooch, and Kendall Vildor. Yeah, so he's got to get it does look that way if you were to read it that way, or it could be like, hey, Kendall, we like you, but uh, right now the, the guys that are going to get more reps uh, are, are a bunch of other guys that uh, uh, that aren't you. <laughs> so he uh, better get his shit going because this could be his last shot to become a Chicago Bear. That You know, the Jalen Jones, uh, Greg Stroman Jr., those guys are – are like and Josh Blackwell. Those guys are likable guys, uh, but can you take? Do you want to risk going through them as guys that are fighting for that? Blackwell played great special position. teams last year, so I think he's safe. He did. He did. Uh, I just, I just, I feel really, really strong, like Tuch does, that it is time to start thinking about making make, making a trade for a cornerback, starting outside cornerback. Uh, or uh, I don't know. I, uh, looking in the waiver wire, who might be, get cut? So, Ojemudio is 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 a kid, Ravi, who f- flashed a lot of potential in college. And um, the one thing that I heard about him is that football was not his biggest love. That uh, he had other. Uh, interest and so I think that's hurt him and and how coach coaches look at him and might be hurting him as a professional I don't know that f- uh, for any certainty what's for so for whatsoever and Foster is absolutely right this doesn't mean anything but it, it does give us an opportunity to speculate and talk about some of these players and some of our observations on that I got one more for you Aldo looking at this something that terrifies me and again you all may disagree and I hope I'm wrong but I have no faith in Larry Borum and he's mm-hmm. the backup left tackle now. I mean, mm-hmm. off the top of my head, it feels like he's only played on the right side. Am I correct? He's played a little bit at the left tackle position in his rookie year because there was, I think he was actually the first guy they turned to uh, when injury hit the left tackle position. And then they picked up the old veteran guy. They call him on his fishing boat and he, he came in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Borum, I'm, I'm hearing he has looked a little bit better, but you're absolutely right. He's he's got he's he's one of the names number nine number seventy five. Larry Borum, he's one of the guys that I'm going to be watching very closely on Saturday. At, in addition to Alex Leatherwood, he's probably going to be starting at the left guard position. Lucas Patrick was hurt again today in practice. I'm not sure at the extent of that injury, so we might be seeing uh, uh, Doug Kramer in there, Jatari Carter. Uh, Dieter Iceland want to definitely see what those guys are going to be doing at that guard position and uh, the right tackle position, Aviante Collins, Kellen Dyche are, you know, those guys are, are going to be uh, behind the rookie, of course, but geez, what happens if some, if something happens to right, you know, are, are these guys trustworthy of no. safeguarding? No, not Larry not. Boren. that's, that's why I was complaining about the draft saying they needed help on the offensive line. So they definitely need to make a move there. Mm-hmm. I hope Leatherwood being on Nomad was always saying that his strength when, you know, the what got him drafted was he was playing on the left side. So mm-hmm. he's back on his natural side from what I recall Nomad saying, and I'm, Nomad knows his stuff, right? So uh, I assume that's correct. Uh, so mm-hmm. that maybe there's hope for him there. But, man, I'm telling you, Borum, that scares me. I know Braxton played the whole season last year, and God willing he'll do that again. But it still bothers me seeing Borum there. 
But, you know, switching gears for just a second. Sure. Do you all think it's like, wow, look how far down Velas is? Um, yes, I was a little bit surprised. And it was interesting that after practice today, Alan Williams, a special teams coach, said, you know, that he's first in the depth chart at punt returns and kickoff returns oh, and God. gave him a glowing endorsement, said you guys could see it at Family Fest, how well he was tracking the ball today at practice, probably one hit, one of his best practices ever as a bear. Bayless Jones uh, looked good. So I think, you know, as as with all rookies, you want to see incredible improvement in year two, particularly if they were a disappointment in year one. And so that's uh, Bayless is going to get a lot of snaps, I'm sure, this Saturday. So he's definitely somebody to watch. And at the very least, what you want to see is him have confidence approaching that ball when it's up in the air and make the catch and it not look like, oh, shit, he almost dropped that. Oh, shit, Every he time he – all season long on punts, if he mm-hmm. didn't fumble, he nearly fumbled. Yeah, it, he man. If it, he's so he was so poor at it that I would be cheerleading Dante Pettis to make the team over him just because at least that's the one thing Pettis can do is yes. return punts. And man, that's all we need. Week one against Green Bay and number twelve back there, fucking fumbling. He cost us two games last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to say I'm wanting him to get cut, but my God, if it means he's going to be the punt returner, then fucking send him down the road. Yeah, I you know I I I I'm pretty confident that this guy is going to have a decent season. I think he's going to catch about 25 passes, and he's going to have he's going to be among the leaders at yards after the catch because of his incredible speed, and he's going to really help out in special teams. That's my forecast for him. And who knows if he gets an opportunity because one of the Wide receivers is nicked up, and he gets in there for the offense and plays most of the game at the outside uh, flanker position. Who knows? Maybe he's he's he could prove to us that he deserves consideration for more and more snaps as the season goes on. I truly would not be surprised. Don't you think we're going to see more and Claypool on the field at the same time? Oh, absolutely. More Claypool and Darnell Mooney are going to be on the field many, 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 many times together, the three of them. Well, he's got him listed as Moore's backup on that list. That's what I was like. Well, I think they're going to play simultaneously. Yeah, the reason why they do that, Dan, is because they're only listing two wide receiver uh, slots, and they're not listing the slot wide receiver. And so, you know, in most cases – the Bears want run at least three wide receivers schemes. And so you'll see Claypool, Mooney, and DJ Moore. And again, you know, this doesn't really mean stuff, but um, uh, it is really more of an indication, I think, about these depth pieces, these guys like the Kellen Dishes and the, who the hell is Buddy Johnson, the linebacker, number 50. Why the hell they give him number 50? <laughs> Right. Why, uh, why is the rookie Johnson so far down on the like behind Tristan Ebner? Um, oh, and so yes. So what? He's making the team over Ebner. Oh, he definitely will. For sure. Definitely will. Yep. And there was actually uh, see, I, I picked the wrong one. This is a as of August seventh. There was one issue today, and uh, the re- one issue today, Rashawn was the third string back behind Herbert and Foreman. So I apologize. Good. That's that's a positive sign. Uh, Ebner yeah. looked good last year in the preseason, but I don't know what happened. It's like he lost all of his speed, or whenever he got in the games, he looked like the slowest man on the field. 
I think, uh, you know, and I like I like Luke Getzey a lot, but I don't think Luke Getzey ever gave him an opportunity to really get going. You know, his forte, uh, not Matt Forte, but his forte as a running back is catching the ball out of the backfield. And there should have been a game or two or three where they should have come out with a game plan of getting him 15 snaps and trying to get him the ball at least three, four times because that's when he hits home runs is catching these balls out of the out on the flat. And they never gave him that opportunity. So hopefully he'll get the opportunity. I know Brad Biggs has been telling people in his column, keep an eye on Ebner. This guy could surprise people and make this team. One of the things that Brad Biggs points out is they're not going to uh, they're not going to ask Roshan Johnson to play much in special teams. They're not going to ask Deontay Foreman to play much in special teams. So Tristan Edner will play special teams, and he'll be the, the gunner. He'll sacrifice his body to get in there. So he's going to make the team. Uh, Is but Herbert going to return uh, the kickoffs, you think? Remember, he did Herbert. a lot of that last season. Yeah, I think I think right now it's Valus Jones's job to lose. We could be here Herbert, next Tuesday. Yeah, Felix Jones has been caught. <laughs> Herbert, uh, again, I think we would all agree, has really struggled in the in picking up the blitz. Mm-hmm. So if he hasn't improved in that, I, I I could see Foreman getting a lot more time than, you know, he's not really being talked about, but I could see him getting a lot of time, especially on second or third down and second and long. But if you have to pass, because Herbert is, has shown that he has a difficulty in that area, I don't know what the rookie – I don't know anything about Johnson. I, again, I haven't seen him play. I, I hear good things about him. We all have, but I don't know what his strengths are. I still think Ebner, the only chance he's got to make it is if either one of these other guys get hurt or he's on special teams. Yeah. I think, you know, when you look at outside the starters, when you look at who is going to be kept, there's a high – the metric has got to be very, very high in terms of how well they play special teams. You've got to have a great special teams unit. How many times, Dan, have you and I just lamented the fact of missed tackles on special teams? You come off a really good drive, you score seven points, and all of a sudden the opposing team now has the ball and they're starting on the 40-yard line, the 50, inside bear zone because uh, of missed tackles. And and so we've got a bad kick. A kick out yeah. of bounds. Oh, exactly. God. Exactly. I was actually going to, for Brad Biggs, I was going to uh, pose a question in his Q&A column to see if he could give us an update as to the kicking battle at camp because there is another guy in camp. I think, uh, Tooch, don't you know this kid, uh, uh, the backup punter? He's not even on the depth chart for some reason. Um, they got Trenton Gill. He's the starter from last year, but – but then they bring in somebody to compete with him in Santos. I think he said the the kicker the kicker Santos's backup was waived, but I thought they had a backup punter too. Ah, yeah, yeah Andre Andre Zemet S Z M Y T. I think he's still with the team. Uh, so he was I, I released how... today. <laughs> oh, look at that! Shit. Yeah, so but uh, just... I think he punted too. Okay, he was also a punter. Well, they got rid of both of you them. Got Trenton Gill, <laughs> and uh, I don't see any other punters listed. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Joe. I, I know Ross did a great job, and I, I wish I would have been there, but I want to save my energy for tonight. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So it it looks like Santos 
it's yeah. Santos' job to lose. Uh, I think sometimes when they make a cut like that is they get word that they're obviously looking at the 31 other NFL teams and they're looking at, okay, who are other really good backup kickers for other teams that could be released yeah. on the way we're down. So that way if Santos, you know, doesn't play well in preseason and gives us, they can uh, bring in Robbie. For, they can bring in somebody. Is Robbie <laughs> still on the street? Yeah. Holy fuck. And he wants to be here, so it's just like if Cairo doesn't do well, I can't imagine them bring Robbie will be on the radio every day saying he wants to play here. He'll blackmail, uh, extortion to get his gig back. Aldo, uh, I forgot to ask you about what you thought about the Cole Komet contract. Got got paid. Thank you. I I I love it. I truly truly love it. I believe in this kid. I believe he's got the makeup to be an upper echelon player. And it was interesting on today's Gabriel Talks Football, Ross Reed pointed out that Cole does look a little leaner this year than he has in past years. And maybe they told him, listen, we're going to get you the ball a lot more. You're He's typically a tight end who plays in line. Uh, so they prefer him to block more. But maybe the acquisition of Mercedes Lewis and some of these other guys – is a signal that they're going to want him to get out on pass patterns much more and that the targets that he got last year are going to increase by 10, 15, 20%, giving him more of an opportunity to get closer to that 80 reception year as opposed to the 60, 70 that he's had his last two seasons. I truly love this kid. I think it's a great investment. He's a good team player. I know Justin likes him a lot, and I love to maintain that continuity. Uh, I think the days where he made those dunderhead mistakes in his rookie season, dropping passes, dropping the ball, fumbling, and so forth, I think that's behind him. I think he's got a coaching staff that loves him. Lucchetti loves him. So I think the sky is blue with uh, with Cole Komet. What do you guys think? I missed your comments you know, last uh, week. It's obvious that Poles went out and addressed the the uh, the tight end position in free agency. With you know, he brought in Robert Tanyan. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't. I mean, last year all we had was Komet. I mean, I don't. Dad, Dad can maybe name like the West Virginia game. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't very good, yeah. but he caught a touchdown or one yeah. or two. And then recently they got Mercedes Lewis. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, that's a good uh, tight end room there. Yeah, obviously, uh, uh, polls felt that uh, you know that they could uh, upgrade uh, there. But I made the point in the last week's show that Komet, one of a very, uh, I don't think. Even Travis Kelsey had done it within their first uh, couple of two or three years that uh, it was uh, f- 50 catches, 500 yards, and five touchdowns. And Cole Komet did that before the age of 25. And, no. uh, it took even you know some of the great ones uh, a while to ramp up to that speed. So uh, mm-hmm. as much as Dan and I maligned Cole Komet for having cement hands his first year or two, uh, mm-hmm. he, he got a light. Yeah, yeah. He seemed a bit stiff when he first came in. Like, hopefully, he's a little bit more flexible and can you know, get out. And yeah, some of these patterns. Yeah, yeah. And I'm with Cliff. Oh, you know, go, go ahead, ahead, real quick. Uh, just I'll say this real quick regarding Mercedes Lewis. Is you know a lot of positive comments, especially from Cliff on the 39 year old tight end who, if he does make the team this year with the Bears, he will be the longest tenured tight end in NFL history. Talk about a guy who's been around. And wow. he's got the perfect mentality. He's an extra coach. He's an extra right tack, right uh, right tackle. He's an extra tight end, and he loves just to. 
be on, on a, a team with young players who want to learn and he'd love to have, get another ring. This guy is a perfect fit, man. It's the 18th season coming up. And one of the great points, Aldo, that you missed where you weren't here last week, I don't know who said it. I'm not trying to say I was the one who said it. I don't remember. But give Polls credit for here uh, for this because he didn't have too much of an ego to say, I didn't draft Cole Komet. Mm-hmm. I didn't draft. He's not my guy. He was right. still able to re-sign Cole Komet in spite of the fact he didn't draft him and potentially is going to re-sign Justin and mm-hmm. didn't draft a quarterback. So mm-hmm. give him so many props for not being Mr. Egotistical saying, well, that's not my draft pick. Right. So I like that already. So two huge thumbs up that he was saying, hey, we got Komet in place. I didn't draft him, but fuck it. He's good. Let's resign him. Right. So the interesting uh, discussion then immediately after you say that is Darnell Mooney. He didn't draft Darnell Mooney. And we know the story behind Darnell Mooney. They basically drafted his replacement, uh, Tyler, Tyler Scott. Scott. Built like him. You know, obviously he's not at the same level from a playing perspective and, and especially uh, yeah. from a blocking perspective. His hands aren't as good, yeah. you know, but potentially by the end of the season when and when the, when they're deciding who's going to be at that wide receiver position, will it be Chase Claypool, who Brian Pose did bring in, or Darnell Mooney, um, who has had some success with the Bears, what will Ryan Pose do? Will he side with Claypool uh, with that uh, second-round investment he had him, basically a first-round investment, or will he try to make it work with Darnell Mooney or very slim chance that they might even consider bringing them both in back uh, on some deals? A bit of or maybe difficult. both are gone. That could be a possibility uh, too. Oh, my goodness. Indeed, indeed. Especially if you've got – a, a a wide receiver class coming out of college that is supposedly very very deep. So yeah, I mean I would hate to to see the Bears spend a first round draft pick on a wide receiver, but that could be part of the plan because he wants to keep that salary pretty low. And with DJ Moore, you've got a number one quality wide receiver who's only making twenty twenty two million dollars, and that's in that bargain area. You know, I would uh, say, I've said this before, but I think it's Claypool's job to lose in terms mm-hmm. of getting paid, given the fact the Bears did invest a second-round pick into him. Unless he plays poorly or demonstrates a poor attitude or something, I think Mooney's really going to have to accelerate to get the deal over Claypool. Mm. Yeah, I like Marvin I, Harrison Jr., but I hope we're not in position to draft him because that means the season <laughs> didn't go very well. But, yeah, well, it, it could be the Panthers pick that we use at, at that position, right? Too, yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. That's Panthers true. Panthers could uh, be a, uh, a as bad as a top five uh, team. So, They're, meaning you know they they yield a top yeah, five. The pa- pick. Panthers are yeah top five. Pick. You know the the uh, Randy Moss <laughs> came out recently said that Tyler Scott was the best wide receiver drafted in this year's draft and said it was not wow. even close. Mm. Yeah, I think it was yesterday or or today that he came out and said that. I wonder why Justin Houston went to Carolina. If they're projected to lose and he's in his middle 30s, you figure he would sign somewhere. I guess it's the money. That's the only thing I could see why he went there. Hey, Jordan, thank you very much for the love. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, thanks for sticking, uh, stopping by and, uh, and expressing your love. Really appreciate you, brother. And uh, good luck on the debut, season debut, so to speak, of uh, Butterfly Tailgate Show this weekend. Um, 
yeah, you know, I, I think that might have had a lot to do with Dan is that the offers just weren't there, you know, and so he took the the yeah there you go cliff nailed it seven million reasons maybe, maybe there was a uh, a team that has a better chance of making the playoffs that offered him six million and he said fuck that i'll take the extra million <laughs> trying to do an extension in the house um you know and when you get to that point of the, your career you're if you've won championships in the past i don't i don't yeah and he has um you you're going to start thinking about okay i need the extra money because i'm not going to be playing this thing long and i'm not going to be making this kind of money so an extra million in the bank account is is a very persuasive argument no doubt um one other thing that i wanted to talk about as we were talking about wide receivers is you know the praise that dj moore is getting is so fucking it's to me it's almost like something i've never experienced before we've picked up wide receivers and trades mushin bihamed i think maybe the most famous uh, in my time as a Bears fan, but I, I didn't, I never heard, you know, the, the type of reports I'm hearing out of camp about Mushin Muhammad and that the, the connection that he's establishing with Justin Fields, it's like, it was instant. The first pass they threw is like, holy shit. And the second pass, holy shit. And, and what he's doing, and there's this article, uh, in one of uh, Chicago newspapers about the body control he's exhibiting and that he's got this great flair. He's not the fastest wide receiver out there, but he's got this great flair for, for using his body to create separation, finding where the holes are. And there's an instant recognition of that by Justin Fields and their connection is growing so well, excuse me, <coughs> that it's, it's truly something to behold. So I'm just praying that that connection continues and thrives when the regular season starts. Are you guys as excited as I am between the JF1 and DJ2 connection? Because that's it. That's where my 14 and 3 uh, prediction, that's the foundation of it, man. If those guys don't have 100 uh, receptions and 15, 12 uh, touchdowns this season, then it's going to crumble down pretty quickly. What do you guys think? I just want to say real quick, and I'll let Tooch take it. Musin Muhammad was a free agent in 2005. Okay. Okay. Uh, someone asked at the bottom, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy there was wanting to know, was he a free agent? He was. He had a really big year, like more than 10 touchdowns, I think, in 04 Carolina. He never produced that with Chicago, but he was on a team that went to the Super Bowl. So it's not like yeah. he was a bust. Then uh, let me ask you uh, this, Dan. Do you recall there being a trade by the Bears for a wide receiver? Uh, I know there were some free agent pickups like Muhammad now. Uh, thank you for the correction, Jeremy. And Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, free agent pickup. So they, I don't know if they've ever made a trade for a wide receiver. No, you're right. Really. I mean, even with Allen Robinson, I know everyone disagreed with me. I mean, I wasn't quite as like Mike North on it, saying he wasn't, you know, any good. But mm -hmm. I thought that our praise felt a little bit like, well, we're hoping he's going to be this or that, and we're just supporting our guy, and he's a good guy off the field. But it feels like DJ Moore, like. Uh, I don't know. I just, it feels like they're, this isn't artificial. Right. If that makes any sense. I'm like, wow, we're not hoping he's good. Yeah. Brandon Marshall's a good one. That is when we well traded done. for Brandon, Brandon was the, the one before this. Uh, that's a great, great reference to where we're excited about our wide receiver. Uh, Cause the only other yeah. one I can think of is how upset I was when we traded Willie uh, Galt to the Raiders. Yes. Yes, uh, that, we're trading our wide receiver, but yeah, bringing in Brandon was huge at the time, and this feels equally huge. Yeah, uh, to I, me, you're, 
Totally right, James. I that that was a, a super exciting one because I loved Brandon Marshall at Denver. Loved uh, his productivity and the fact that he had a connection with the quarterback here in Chicago who needed desperately needed help at the offensive line, wide receiver, tight end position, everywhere. Um, that that was huge. I remember being super excited about that, and and he delivered. He had three great seasons with the Bears. Yeah, you know, uh, Aldo. Last week we talked about. Um, how excited we are before a season. You know, mm-hmm. when was the last time we were this excited? I can't remember being this excited, like the mid eighties. Oh my gosh. You know, maybe, maybe uh, uh, you yeah. know, around the lovey years or whatever, somewhere in there. Yeah. Lovey, lovey years. There were a couple of seasons. I was super excited about what could be ahead. Even early Dave wants that. Uh, there were a couple of seasons. Maybe I, I, I was given more credit than they deserved. And then even, yeah, I remember they beat Dallas on opening day in 96. Yeah. Yes. And they're defending champions. If, and we had signed Brian Cox. It yes. felt like the sky's the limit. And then Kramer broke his neck. Right. And even after the 2018 season, I mean, we come off a playoff loss because of the uh, uh, Cody Parkey. And, but who knew that the bald headed fuck was really a very bad coach. I mean, we had inklings. I, I <laughs> yes, yes. We had inklings. You and, and, and draft doctor Phil and a number yeah. of other people were telling us, "Yeah, this guy's a moron." And you know, usually when people criticize a coach from my team and um, and they're having success, you know, winning games, I like I put up a wall. I don't want to hear it, man. We're fucking winning. Yeah, but you guys were right, man. He's a fucking moron. <laughs> you and I were both incensed, if you recall. Uh, when he lost that playoff game to the Saints and came out there smiling and grinning and shit, which he was obviously told he was coming back for 21. But when he was that happy for losing a playoff game and getting blown out, I knew he was not the right guy. He had to go. He should not have been brought back in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I won't argue so, that point. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was gone, although from Thank the division. God. So yeah. I mean uh, that adds a little bit to the excitement because you know not not only the uh, connection between Fields and Moore but you know that uh, we're a lot we're upgraded a lot from last year you know and mm-hmm. uh, we we, uh, we we think I mean we feel that the schedule like we looked at and got, there's a good chance there's 11 wins out there and that's probably good enough to get you in the playoffs mm-hmm. so I, mean, I, I feel excited about this. And, and the main thing is is QB one you know franchise quarterback. You know, a lot of people, uh, I think we talked last week about how Justin Fields is the most uh, bet player to win MVP. Yeah. So that, that's kind of crazy, you know, like uh, yeah. Vegas is on the hook. Vegas is on the hook for quite a bit if he, if he mm-hmm. gets an MVP. So. Yeah, but the, and you know much more about this than I do, too, but that means it's rabid Bears fans putting money on Fields. It doesn't mean that Vegas feels strongly about him. So <laughs> let's pump our brakes there. I, I do believe that this is a four thousand yard season for for uh, Justin. I got I got to bring this up because this is one of the things that I was thinking about uh, when I watched the Hall of Fame game, and I said, "Man, I wish I could share this with the guys." Aaron Rodgers, since his trade to the New York Jets, is so fucking obvious that he is trying to rehabilitate his image. You know, it's so fucking transparent what he yeah. is doing. He really isn't this team leader that he's showing in New York. <clears throat> we know that. He 
is thinking to himself, how the fuck am I going to make the kind of money and get the kind of opportunities to do TV shows and maybe even movies and, you know, maybe even host a primetime NF weekly NFL show? How am I going to do that? Well, I want to get traded to the media capital of the world, New York. I want to show them what a great guy I am. I'm going to give them back millions of dollars. I'm going to put my arm around the backup quarterback, yep. tutor him. I'm going to be interviewed on the sideline, and I'm going to sound like a fucking great guy when in reality he's the devil he's the devil he's the fucking (laughs) devil and so uh i i just i wanted to get your guys impressions on it are you buying any of this aaron Rodgers stuff because i'm fucking not (laughs) unequivocally no and keep in mind it is august it's august it's easy to be let me hug the back up and and smile and all that shit but how's it going to be when he's really tested when things aren't going his way we've seen What's it, he, he points the finger more so than anybody. So as soon as some adversity comes into play, his true colors will, will manifest, in my opinion. Like you said, he's not, unless for some reason he was holding all of this in. In Green Bay, he was never gregarious. He never cared about anybody else but himself. He doesn't even talk to his mom or dad or his brother. He only cared about himself and keeping his sexuality in the closet. He would kill somebody for them to know that he liked to suck penis, which again, whatever. Uh, If that's what your proclivity is, I support you. But I'm not trying to be funny, but the point is he was just so desperate to remain in the closet and not be gay that like he just was such a huge asshole and and I I can't buy it. I'm not buying it. I think you're on mute, Aldo. That's what you're speculating on, that he's, you know, part of the, the persona uh, is that he's in disguise because of his sexual uh, proclivities. But w- whatever, that, 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 that doesn't matter to me. I, I will say this in kind of a response to, to what Jordan is writing here is in my lifetime of watching NFL quarterbacks, uh, and I've been watching them since I, I actually was at bowling, I playing bowling, bowling, and every time I would throw the ball, I'd run back over to the TV set to see Joe Namath and Super Bowl three. And yeah. so I've been watching quarterbacks since then. Aaron Rodgers, in terms of the artistry of the position of quarterback, is in my top five. I'm not saying he's the top five quarterback of all. I'm not saying that. My category here is just the artistry, the footwork, the the throw, how he you know finds open receivers, the chemistry he had with his receivers, and so forth. I just have a, a it's outstanding amount of appreciation for him as a quarterback. And if he would have been a quarterback for the Chicago Bears during that uh, period, I would have overlooked all of his uh, personal issues and, and his, his, his personality defects and so forth, because I really do think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks that these two eyes have ever seen. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, I can't say you're wrong, but I, I, I just don't want to hear it. Raising <laughs> <laughs> Rogers is like telling me that like, you have to accept death is, is coming for all of us. And, but I don't want to focus on it. I don't want to think about, but it's real. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. I, I, I just don't like the guy. And I wasn't saying that his persona in New York is because of his sexual. I was saying green Bay, maybe he shut down as a result of where he was trying to hide his person, his, um, mm-hmm. his sexuality there so much. I just think he's a fraud, man, to use Phil's term uh, yeah. with what he's doing right now. It's a put on, like you said, his motive is maybe I get the jeopardy gig. 
or something like that if people think I'm warm and fuzzy, mm -hmm. you know, and, and less, you know, the, everything they said about Jay is exactly the way he was mercurial mm -hmm. to himself, not really a rah-rah guy and certainly not a team first guy. Right. Yeah. They said that about Cutler. Well, fucking Rogers is almost exactly the same disposition. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I came to my thoughts about Aaron because I was watching that Hall of Fame game uh, from the hospital bed, and then they did that sideline interview with him, and I was like, man, he sounds like a guy I would love to have a beer with. And then it fucking hit me. Wait a minute. <laughs> Where, where's my wallet? <laughs> Can you say that about George Bush as well, though? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, but he, he, you know, and I love the fact that he's such a smart guy. I, he wasn't very good as the Jeopardy show host, but the motherfucker knows his shit. He, he was as a guest. He, he was kicking ass. So he's smart. He's articulate. And so there are certain aspects of him that, you know, I wouldn't mind having a beer with. But, yeah, I uh, if I were to ask him, hey, uh, you had a booster shot lately? And he said, yeah, damn right. I did all those. Yeah, fuck you, Aaron. Yeah. After I, the show, we can go turn on Hard Knocks. It debuts today. That's see, right. Uh, that's see, right. See what he's up to. <laughs> I'm not watching. I don't want to see him. I don't want to hear him. I don't want to see him play. I don't want to hear him talk. I wish him nothing but mediocrity. I don't want him to be three and 14 because it helps the Packers, but I want him to be five or six wins, seven wins where it gets the Packers a, a, a bad or worse draft pick. But I do not want to see him succeed. I don't care if he stays in the league till he's 50. I'm going to root against him every fucking day of his life. I, and I'm with you there, Dan. I'm totally with you. I hope the Jets have a miserable season. I don't want to see him smile not one time. I want his season to be so miserable that if he has a three touchdown game, he still won't smile. Even he, even though I know he will because he's such a smug asshole. I want the whole New York experience. You know, he's talking about, oh yeah, I went to go see Taylor Swift, went to the MSG, went to. The, I want him to go into a fucking dark passageway in Central Park, and I want a bunch of guys in <laughs> the movie to, cruising to show up yeah. with leather. <laughs> And kill him like in the freaking film. No, I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, I don't wish. Let me ask you a scenario. Seriously, <laughs> to both of you, then serious question: Would you rather see Rogers like the scenario we said, just just blows ass in in New York and it just doesn't go well, or conversely, how about this scenario where he's playing great, but he doesn't win the Super Bowl or anything? But he's playing great, and Green Bay's really bad. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that he's, you know, playing well over there and selling jerseys just makes the Packers fans more miserable that they gave up on him. Like, I almost would rather go that way just to hurt the Packers. Man, I, I, I'm with Cody. You get you get a triple threat there. You, if uh, if Rogers is doing well with the Jets and the and the Packers are are uh, are stinking it up. And then you got uh, the Bears, Jets, the Super Bowl. The Bears win. That's like the, you know, that's like the tri. We've hit the trifecta if that happens. Yeah, but, but Tooch, we wanted to beat him in the championship game. Bring on Green Bay. That's what it said on yeah. Sports Illustrated with Jay on the cover. And what happened? We lost. I don't want to play him in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. If we get there, we'll probably lose to him. Yeah. Uh... I think you guys are right. That's probably the best scenario is for to get that personal satisfaction 
of beating Aaron Rodgers on national TV in the biggest game of the season after he has said things, you know, he owns Chicago and blah, blah, blah. And then also stick it to Green Bay Packer fans who I, I don't know why, you know, and I, I definitely try to stay out of this as much as possible. And sometimes when you're scrolling around for something interesting to read, you see a text from a Green Bay Packer fan ridiculing Justin Fields. It's like, dude, your quarterback is Jordan Love. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, Don't say fuck. anything about him. Don't. Yeah. I did this. Dan and I, I talked ridic- about this. <laughs> I ridiculed Rodgers when they got rid of Favre. Yeah. And look what happened. I, I had to live mm-hmm. with him for another 15 years or whatever. No, Jordan Love's going to be a great quarterback. Just leave him alone. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and now I'm hearing some reports that lately the last two practices he's looked a little bit sharper. He's feeling a little bit more comfortable. Don't fucking buy it. Don't fucking buy it. You know, I I I, I know I'm breaking your rule here, but this kid's got a long way to go. And even his coaches have said it's going to be five six games before he really has command of the playbook. Here's here's the big thing. It's not only him, but it's also going to be every offensive player on that team because what they were running was the Matt LaFleur offense as dictated by Aaron Rodgers. You know, he would get together with LaFleur and he would basically take out, I don't want to do that, I want to do that, put this play in, put this play in, and so forth. And so we have not seen the Matt LaFleur offense. That's what we're going to see this year. And so there's going to be growing pains. I think that that, that I, I would want to go back at, to the hospital and, and put under a coma if we lose barrel week one game against and, Packers. And catheterize too. <laughs> hey, That's right. Catheterize it, put it up my ass, whatever. I don't care. I, this, that would be the most devastating yeah. Bears loss to me in history if we don't beat Jordan Love and the Packers yeah, see, week one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Don't say, oh, it's going to be this and you're building up like how devastating it's going to be if we lose that game. And I'm going to be there. So <laughs> please don't put me through this. But don't mm-hmm. forget the Vikings' first ever ever game. Brand targeted first game ever in the franchise against the Chicago Bears. About to win a championship, Chicago Bears. And what happened? We lost mm-hmm. to the Vikings. We lost yeah. to Fran in their first game ever. The Bears love to lose games like this in the history of the franchise. Like, Brock Osweiler's first start. Well, by God, we're going to lose. You know, so d- Colin Kaepernick, your first start. Come on down and throw for three hundred. Like, so I know it's his second start, but let's not talk any shit. I'm just saying, yeah. like, the history of the Chicago Bears is not being good against inexperienced quarterbacks, and yeah. I don't know why that is. That is we'll find wild. out September second, September tenth. Yeah, it's a month away. Mm-hmm. It's legitimately a month away, and I'm terrified. Like. I just, I'd like to think this is the first time in a long time we have a legitimate chance to win. Like, it's not just me hoping, but man, if we lose, it turns the season it, it all around. You you got to go to KC in week three. On paper, that's a loss. I, I'm not conceding that. But mm-hmm. if you lose to Green Bay and then Tampa, it's going to be like 112 degrees down there week two. You could start 0-3 if you lose that yeah. game. Yep. Um, you and Cliff are absolutely right. This is a critical, critical game. There should be absolutely no excuses. I don't care if there's major injuries, you know, outside of Justin Fields going into that game. You got to figure out a way to to fight and battle for victory. This goes beyond, you know, who has the better roster. This goes beyond who has the board, better quarterback. This goes beyond any of those things. This has to do with a city reclaiming its team back 
from the ownership of the Green Bay Packers. It really is that. I, I hate to put it that way. I know Chubbs will come on and say, no fucking guy is going to tell me that he owns me. Well, the, the reality of it is it, it, that that's the that's true, that that Brent guy on Good Morning Football uh, pointed out that record. I think Heidi uh, retweeted it, that the Bears at Soldier Field are 25, I think, and six against Favre and Rodgers. That has to stop. Jordan Love cannot do that to us. This new iteration of the Packers cannot do that. We got to reverse that number. We got to make it 30 and one against those guys. What did you say it was, six and 25? I think no, twenty-five and six. If anybody knows, please let me know in the chat. In Heidi, well, we lost that, way like, more than six. So maybe at, at Soldier Field. No, uh, so Rodgers only lost two games no, there no, ever. No, so I'm saying that Rodgers and 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 Brett Favre they won, won 20, twenty-five. And, they and won the twenty-five. Won Correct. Okay. Yeah, the bear. The Bears only lost to our Rodgers only lost to us in twenty ten on a Monday night. I think it was week three. And then the mm-hmm. game you were at when they clinched the division in 18. And then Favre lost to us there in what? That's a good question. Uh, uh, 93? Mm-hmm. Yes. 93? God. And then not again until, what, 05? He lost in oh. 05 and 06. Is that it? I think that's it. That is it. I'm, I'm looking under uh... – Heidi's timeline here to see if I can find it. I think she replied to it. I'm not sure she retweeted it. But yeah, it is horrendous. And this was from uh, the Good Morning Football guys broadcast uh, on the NFL Network. The um, scrolling here. The, The topic was what does Jordan Love have to do to prove himself? And his response was basically in order for him to prove himself, he's, he needs to continue this domination of the Packers over the Bears at Soldier Field. And, and that's just somehow, some way, Eberflus has to reach into the soul of every member of the Chicago Bears and give that Al Pacino speech about every inch, about manhood, about whatever it takes. I can't find it. Anyway, uh, just to fire these guys up and make them go out there to play. Uh, and I said I just... 06. That's wrong. We lost a New Year's in 06. It's 07 we lost to our farm oh. loss because he said, ah, it's so fucking cold today. And the mm-hmm. wind was out, and Kyle Orton beat him. So he lost in 05, 07, 93. I think that's it for Favre. And Rodgers was 10 and 18. So I'm going to say they have five wins. The Bears have five wins at home versus those two, unless yeah. I'm wrong. Okay. Um, and if anyone wants to corroborate that or uh, correct that, let us know in the chat room. By the way, uh, the, the speech that would be really effective, I think, here is – what we saw Sunday night on winning times at the beginning sequence, they are at the 19, I want to say 86, 84, 84 uh, NBA finals. The Bears, I mean, excuse me, the Lakers uh, upset the Celtics at Boston Garden. The uh, players have to be rushed to the bus because the Boston fans are portrayed as animals. So they want to beat the shit out it's of them. Malice at the Palace. <laughs> yes. And so. Uh, that hurt. <laughs> um, so they get into the bus and Pat Riley makes this speech and it's basically we don't want to beat them we want to kick their fucking asses <laughs> that's good stuff he's man. like we want to take 
We don't want to win the championship. We want to take it from them. <coughs> yes. We don't, yes. E we don't even want to win it. We just want to make sure they don't win it. Yes. And, and that, that is, you know, that's what Mike Ditka was so good at, you know, as a coach, he wasn't an accidental guy, but he, he developed those narratives. He developed the, that line of thinking with the players, but the players said, okay, yeah, we're, we're playing with the, uh, the Packers week one. Yeah. We're going to fucking make an eat our fucking cleats. So uh, that's what we need. And Eberflus isn't that type of coach, but maybe one of those assistant coaches somehow, some way we got to get, we got to get Neanderthal uh, for this week one contest with the. Um, That's with what Dan Batman. Campbell would do now. Mm -hmm. That's why I say he's the Lions. He's the Lions yeah. version of Ditka. And 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 there could be some success there. I'm starting to ease off of my uh, complaints about Campbell, but I'm not totally on the Campbell choo choo train yet. Yeah, Ditka wasn't saying we should drown the opponents and stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know where mm -hmm. his metaphors come from about drowning, killing people, or whatever. But yeah, and Foster brings up that sixty-one to seven Bears uh, pummeling of the Packers in Vince 19... Evans. Yeah, Vince Evans, one of the. I think I sent one... you that game. Yes, I have that game, and it's one of my. I have still. I've yet to watch it. I... Maybe I should this weekend. Because it's one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, that victory over the Packers by that score. Oh, shit. That's nice. Uh, you nice know one of my favorite ones, and I, I kind of forget about it and let it go, but <clears throat> in hindsight, was opening day in 06. We're going to the Super Bowl. We don't know that yet, though. Opening day is at Green Bay. Devin mm -hmm. Hester's an unknown rookie. We knew him from the preseason, but he takes a pump back in the first game. Rex throws a deep touchdown to Bernard Barry in the first drive of the season, and we shut out Green Bay at Lambeau. It was like 26-0 on opening day. And that just that, – that was the precipice for us to, to like a launching pad for the 06 team. Maybe we can mirror that this season. You know, you get yeah. off to a start. You thoroughly defeat them, get the bully off of your fucking back, and then you can go on and, and kick other teams' asses. You don't have that specter, that specter of them over you, ready to smother you with a pillow, which they have for fucking 30 years now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Good stuff. That is what our hopes are for the Chicago Bears. This is, uh, to me personally, and I'm sure to 99% of Bears fans, it's going to be a really emotional year uh, because this is where we stop the bleeding. This is it. We not only stop the bleeding, but we find in Justin Fields a quarterback who could be one of the great quarterbacks of all time. I really believe he's got that capability. And I really do believe that Ryan Post is meticulously and methodically, not as fast as we would all love because we want instant gratification, as Greg Gabriel puts it, but he is putting together a team built for long-term sustainable success, playoffs every year dominating the NFC North and slowly, slowly with the resources he had, building a team that is going to mirror back to those monsters of the midway defenses, a scary defense. One of the guys that I can't wait to see him in a regular season game is Tremaine Edmonds. My expectations for this kid are off the charts because of what they're going to have him do playing that middle of the field, going left and right from sideline to sideline and, and blitzing and so forth. This could could end up being a candidate for defensive player of the year if he had a couple of better players perhaps in front of him or more uh, seasoned players because I know he's got some promising rookies. But I, I'm just excited, man. I'm, I'm so fucking excited. And it's great to see uh, Tooch 
nodding in agreement as opposed to rolling his eyes when I started talking about promise. <laughs> How about this scenario, Aldo? So we we said you're out for the year, right? You're not going to any of these games. Right, right. But let's say everything comes together. By God, January, NFC Championship game, Soldier Field. The right to go back to the Super Bowl. Then we have to go to the game. You're coming out of retirement for the championship <laughs> game and the right to go to Vegas for Super Bowl 58. Yeah. Listen, man, if the doctors clear me, you know, one of the things that I, I've been thinking about, if I were at Soldier Field right now, hooping, hooting, hollering, a Bears touchdown, and somebody were to fucking give me a high five with my right hand, I, I think I'd be rushed to the ER right away. I'm saying January. I'm saying January. No, I, I know what you're saying. I, I, yeah. I know what you're saying. I just want to get to that point where I can fucking pick up my right arm and high five somebody without any pain or concern. Uh, so that's a rehab process that hopefully by January I will be there uh, or hopefully anytime, to be honest with you. You weren't at that You're title game for Green Bay. Are you left-handed? Yeah, He's I'm left-handed. Left yeah. So uh, it's, it's funny because the mouse hand still working. Yeah. I was at a Blackhawk game and I'm waiting for the girls to get out of the John and it was a playoff game. The the Blackhawks at one and people were passing me by and giving me a high five. There was this one six foot five, probably 250 pound ripped guy. He gave me a high five on my left hand. I thought my, I thought my arm was going to come out of the socket. This motherfucker just got leverage on me and just fucking pulled my arm out of my socket almost. And I'm like, yeah, I think I can stop at the fucking high fives. <laughs> Real quick, and not to change the subject, but I love history on this. So sure. did you go to any of the Ditka era playoff games? And furthermore, what about the championship game where we lost to Green Bay? Um, I did not go to that game. Um, did I go any of the Ditka era playoff games? That's a John no. says he not. went to the 88 title game. I remember him telling me that. Mm -hmm. mm. Yep. Yeah, at that yeah, point uh, I was uh, I was working. In Joe Montana. It was yeah. so fucking oh. cold. Oh, the hot I... chocolate was frozen before it got to your mouth. That's how fucking cold it was. You bring the cup to your mouth, it was frozen. Yeah, I I, I was working at WBBM TV at the time, and uh, they told me go home. We've got enough reporters to cover the, the after game, and so I'm thinking, shit, if I would have known that, I would have got a ticket to the game. And then as I'm going to the car i'm saying you know what i'm just gonna go home and watch it with my buddies in the comfort of my warm apartment uh yeah. but i did not go to that game or any of the ditka playoff games no i think the last yeah. game i was at was the fog bowl randall cunningham and the eagles oh, was that 91 yeah. or 89 no, 88 the that's the week before the championship okay. game that's so i went, I went the... to both i went to those two games the the uh fog bowl and from where i was sitting i couldn't see anything I just would see the players run off the field to the sideline. That was it. It was like yeah. the, if I had paid like seven hundred ten dollars for the tickets, I would have been pissed off. Yeah, you know? I, I, you know, I couldn't see anything. I, I, I'm still surprised the officials didn't delay that game because the fog usually lifts. You know, they but said they, they said some... they could see perfectly on the field though. That was the thing. I was asking That's everybody funny. around me. You know, the, like, the best part about that is, and probably the only reason the game is played is because Ditka and Buddy hate each other so much, and neither one of them wants to look non-manly by complaining about the weather. <laughs> they both had to acquiesce and say, we're okay with it. So imagine hmm. if Buddy says, no, I don't like the fog. Ditka's going to be like, he's a pussy. He knows we're going to win, or vice versa. So neither man can say the, the fog is fucking with them. 
<laughs> so both guys say let's play. Yeah, I, uh, I, I Bill Walsh watching... would have complained and said, "Fuck it, we're not playing today." Exactly. After watching so much film, there's no way. It, maybe they didn't use the word perfectly. Maybe they said the officials say we could see well enough to maintain the game. I just feel like they had to maintain their TV schedule and that they were all forced to you know try to get it, get it done, try to get it in there. But even a 30-minute delay would have been the right thing to do. Um, Bears don't win, by the way, without that fucking fog. <laughs> no, but everyone says that. But the Bears had a 14, what, three lead when the fog came in. Tom's yeah. like threw a touchdown to McCammon early in the game. They had a lead. Like Ditka said that. He's like, well, they should have scored some points in the sunshine like we did. Mm. Oh, Mike Tomzak, come on in. Let's talk about that game and what yeah, you're doing exactly. with your life. Yes, come on, Mike. Please. please. We are big fans of yours back in that heyday and would love to know what you're going on to. I'm going to send you this is, video clip. Is Devin Roma Shadu coming back? He was I'm hurt not. in that game. Devin yeah, Roma Shadu coming uh, to uh, visit? Uh, yeah, I got to call my buddy uh, Will Wright. I'm sure <laughs> he is coming and he's got a couple of other guys on tap for us. Uh, uh, Greg landed a really big player for an upcoming uh, Gabriel Talks football. I won't reveal the name until I get 100% confirmation, but it's like 99% sure. Uh, so that's going to be good. So we'll hopefully start lining up some good guests. I've uh, got uh, a message out to uh, Jared Payton. Um, and he's uh, uh, told us that he'd love to come on to this show to talk to Dan and myself about his dad and what he's been doing. Uh, one of the things I want to do is I want to go out to his new restaurant in Naperville before we have him on as a guest. So that way we can talk a little bit about the experience there and what he's doing as an entre restaurant entrepreneur. Um, guys, you want to talk about anything outside of bears for these last uh, 30 minutes of the show? Yeah, sure. I'm I'm down to talk about anything, but real quickly, I was just going to say, Tom Zach got hurt in that game for I think from Reggie White and McMahon actually finished. That's right. Fog ball. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yep. I do. I um, have one thing. If you guys want to, it unfortunately, it, it's another Colin Coward list. <laughs> he's, he's entertaining. <laughs> he he had a list of ten future Hall of Famers still playing in the NFL. So uh, I was going to run through some of these and ask you guys whether you agreed or not with okay. their future Hall of Fame possibility. Number one, he has Patrick Mahomes, Dan's favorite quarterback. Uh, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah. If he were to die today, he'd be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey at number two. Probably, yes. Yep, undoubtedly for me. Absolutely. And uh... – there's been talk about that this season could be his best ever uh, given the lack of, you know, sterling wide receiver options that Mahomes has. And so if Kelsey can stay healthy, he could bash some uh, reception or, or some type of yardage records for tight ends. So it's going to be interesting to watch Travis Kelsey. I know uh, uh, Tooch is probably going to have him in that uh, one of those tight ends. Him. Yeah, one of those tight ends you could you would consider in the second round of your fantasy yeah, draft. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, number three, he's got quarterback Aaron Rodgers of the Jets. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. of course. You know, it you pains can't. me to say that, but yes, he's a Hall of Famer. Number four, he's got 49ers left tackle Trent Williams. Ooh, uh, wait and see on that. Yeah, I'm with Mr. Aguirre on that. He's definitely a good player, but what he's been in the league now? How long? Been a long so, time, I 
think, right? Is it 10 years? Let me see. Real quick Google search here. Trent Williams. It's always hard to tell with some of these offensive linemen. He's 35 yeah. years old, so, yeah, he's been around a little. Parker came yeah. out of college running a 4.8. Holy shit. He probably is, you know. Um, and shame on me for not know, not knowing more about his level of play. Uh, he's got number five Eagles center Jason Kelsey, brother of yes. Kelsey. Yes. Yep. Yep. I think you know what was interesting is the uh, NFL released the top 100 players as determined by. Uh, the players themselves and like Aaron Rodgers was eighth and uh, uh, was behind Kirk Cousins. So what does that tell you? It's a popularity list, you know, and with the Hall of Fame, I think there's a, a lot of that, too. Oh, that there is. Remember, we had that gentleman on from the Hall of Fame a few weeks ago mm -hmm. and he was telling us how hard it was going to be for certain people to make it and. He was guaranteeing this person would be in and that like TJ Watt and I'm like TJ Watt, like his career, he's probably still got five, seven, eight more years left. You don't know how bad they're going to go. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. it's like they already have certain people. Yeah. They have people penciled in already. And then guys like Devin Hester who already, you know, it should be in. like, do you honestly think that that fucking lineman from the Browns, that won like two games in his career should be in before Devin Hester. No, that tackle. What, what's his name? I forget it. Uh, he Joe, got in on Joe, Joe Thomas. Thomas. Is yeah. yeah, I mean, what did he do? And I'm not saying he wasn't good, but he was on a team that won like two games in 15 years, and Devin Hester changed the whole game. Why is mm -hmm. he not? I mean, I God, it just. But yeah, it was so disheartening to hear him say that like it's such a popularity contest. Well, this person's got this person backing him, and. They're going to make it, and they're going to make it. And it's just like, fuck, man. It's like the prom king and queen to get into the Hall of Fame. Who have mm -hmm. you fucked, and, and who thinks you're cool, and who thinks you're good looking? Yeah. You never get away from this shit, even when you get away from it. Indeed. King Pookie asked. Uh, King, King Pookie asked, uh, did I see Jesus? <laughs> you know what, King? Uh, Jesus ain't around anymore, man. After his father, God, said, you're going to die. You know, you didn't do anything wrong. You were the sterling son. You preached you know, goodness for everyone. But to, to show these other people how much I love them, I'm going to have to kill you hanging the cross and so forth. So wow. I think Jesus said, fuck this. I'm out of here. Jesus yeah. said, God, it was an absentee father. <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't around. Uh, we shouldn't say oh, somebody's going to get mad. I know. But I got a kid around stuff like that. I was actually thinking about that today. You know, the whole, all these abortion protests, but there's citations in the Bible over and over and over again about how God killed kids, you know? And I know I, I'm not a, a biblical scholar by any means, but, uh, you know, it's it's all kind of weird to me. Anyway, sorry. Uh, to who do you have got? Aaron Donald? Uh, Aaron Donald at number six. Absolutely. Five career sacks, according to Foster Covers. Look at that. Yeah, Foster. He's got uh, it right there for us. I don't sacks. think anybody can argue with that. He has been a transcendent player at that defensive tackle. He has helped change the game a little bit because I think that really gave NFL personnel, general managers, personnel directors, you know, the desire to f let's find somebody who can provide a pass rush in the middle. 
it was after Lawrence Taylor or during the Lawrence Taylor days is the, the outside pass edge rusher became the yep. famous thing. And that lasted for decades. But with the ball getting out so quickly, it's now about an interior pass rush. And Aaron Donald proved that despite, despite the fact you're going to face double and triple teams many times, you can provide a pass rush if you're as awesome as him. Uh, number seven, he's got Miles Garrett, Brown's Edge. Oh, you Miles one. Garrett's guaranteed to make it? No, right he now? says he, in Colin Coward's opinion, he's a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, I don't know. Jerry I mean, he's really, good. He's really good. I just think he uh, has more to prove. I think. Yep. I, I totally agree with you. Totally agree. Yep. He's Number, he's a guy I would love to see in the Bears. We're talking about you know dream defensive ends. I'd love to see him in the Bears, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, and he if beat it does, the dog shit out of yeah. Justin at the game we were at. <laughs> no shit. <Yeah. laughs> Indeed. Yep. Who else you got uh, on that list? Number eight, Edge Bills Edge Von Miller. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got enough hype behind him from his Denver days. Hell yeah. of a pass rusher. You know, it was interesting. I saw an interview with him, and, and, you know, he's still nursing that injury that ended his season with the Bills, and the Bills paid a lot for him. I think they signed him for a four-year contract, and he's like, yeah, I ain't fucking hurrying back. I don't care how much money they paid me. Yep. <laughs> I already got my ring. I don't, I don't need to, to walk with a limp for the rest of my life for another ring. He's so. got two rings. I think he has one at the Rams too, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Uh, number uh, nine, he's got Bobby Wagner, Seahawks linebacker. He's good, but I don't know. But then again, a there's a lot, of, a lot of people like that make the Hall of Fame now where you're like, God, I mean, Rondé Barber was good, but was he? Was he? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, yeah, he'll probably make it because a lot of like, like Zach Thomas is, okay. All right, Zach Thomas. Yeah. River Marshall's not in, but okay. All right. Um, yeah. I, he'll probably make it, but it just seems like he's a guy. He seems like he's a good guy. But not a Hall of Famer, but who am I to say? I'm not a voter. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, I think he eventually he'll probably make it, but he's he's not going to be like an early vote uh, candidate. He's going he's gonna to be around for a while. And if he were to make it before Devin Hester, I would be really, really upset. Yeah, uh, if they that. put Wagner in, is Richard Sherman going to go in too? Uh, Sherman, I think, is a lock. on that team? I think Sherman is a, uh, is a lock. Mm-hmm. He's taking Shan Sharps place on whatever Colin mm-hmm. Coward's show. Richard Sherman. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, number 10, he's got kicker Justin Tucker of the Ravens. Probably a lock. Um, Yeah, I would say probably I, a lock. I think Vinatieri is the, the next kicker to make it. <laughs> I, don't, I think if Adam Vinatieri doesn't make it, I don't think Justin Tucker will. I mean, look how long it took Ray Guy to make it. And he was renowned as the best punter in the history of the fucking game. And it took him generations to get in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. By the way, I did uh, that. That uh, My hospital is, is less than a mile away from the racetrack. And so on, on the way to the hospital, on the way back, the stands, I would say, are about from the Arlington Park racetrack. The stands are about 40% gone. Uh, it looks like uh, Putin sent over a couple of... Uh, uh, bombs and and half of it's gone. I'd like to try to maybe go over there this weekend and take some pictures to share with you guys next week. But yeah, it's they're they're working on it. Uh, so we'll see if this thing really happens. What do you think's happening now? Then do you think that they still go there, or is there hope for another Chicago location? 
I think it's a 90% lock deal that they'll work things out with Arlington Park. But, you know, uh, Kevin Warren is going to play hardball to try to uh, uh, seemingly play hardball to try to get the best tax deal possible from the Arlington Park uh, township and that county. That's that's the key thing. They're being asked to pay for you know, th- th- that particular area has three different school districts. And so they have, you know, a, a great need for tax revenue. And they-, they see the Chicago Bears as as the goose that laid the golden eggs. And the Bears are saying, you can't expect us to pay that kind of tax rate for a land that we're developing for future gen- revenue generator. And-, and that's the basic way I kind of understand that. So I do think that they'll work it out, but there's going to be some more posturing by Could everyone Could that be involved. a civil lawsuit and just have to have it adjudicated in court and then whoever loses just has to acquiesce? No, um, I don't think so. I don't think that you can sue over uh, in a civil manner what the tax rates should be. I think uh, that's something that is handled with the state legislature. But they do, where they own the property, by mm-hmm. definition, they do have to pay taxes on it because they own it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, if they, so if they say, well, this is too high, I mean, couldn't the Arlington Heights sue them if uh, they didn't pay? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good point is that uh, this is your tax bill. You can uh, appeal it, go to the appeals court. You're probably going to lose. Uh, you did lose. Give me the money. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to, uh, if they own it, they have to pay or the land gets taken from them, right? Um, I would think so, I, but I would think that the the, the Bears under Karen Warren they would probably either then buckle under the pressure or you know put a for sale sign up uh, immediately and then uh, try to get rid of the property, and and I I would say there's probably a five percent chance that Soldier Field is back in uh, in the talks, uh, maybe less than five percent. So you know Warren needs pieces to negotiate with you know and maybe he with the new mayor maybe he can he can get some juice going some talk going about the the, the bears and soldier field they're inching closer to negotiating a deal uh for improvements at at the facility that would help the bears out tremendously in whatever they're negotiating with these arlington heights heights officials someone said last week I don't remember, I can't attribute off the top of my head who it was, that the Arlington Heights residents, which would include you, Mr. Gundy, do not want the Bears there. Have you gotten that sentiment? That was actually conveyed as it was a fact, and I didn't challenge it. I don't remember who who attributed that quote. But. Yeah, I think there's been a couple of uh, uh, poll results, and they've been kind of mixed. You know, I think a lot of people are afraid about the congestion, traffic congestion, and so forth. And so it's early because you don't know what the infrastructure uh, improvements are going to look like. You know, of course, if you live in that area and all of a sudden there's 80,000 people showing up on Sunday afternoon and it's to a stadium that's, you know, a, a, a three iron away from your home, you're, gonna, you're not going to be too happy about it. But guess what? Uh, the uh, all of the businesses in that area, they, you know, they really like the idea of having eighty thousand people show up for a Bears game, and forty thousand for a concert, and fifty thousand for NCAA event, and blah blah blah, and blah blah. And the blah, Super Bowl, blah. and the Super Bowl, and so forth. So, you know, I, I think 
you know, you have to, of course, take into account what the citizens say, but there's their property value is going to go sky high. And so once they get an inclination of what it's going to do to their property values, I think they'll stop complaining and, and, and deal with it or, or, or move out. If they got the Super Bowl, if they got the stadium, you'd have to try to go, right? Fucking A. I mean, even if it was like two teams had nothing to do with the Bears, you would have to go just because you could drive there in like 10 minutes. Fucking A. Um, you know, I, Maybe walk there. Yeah. Part Hopefully. of your recovery is you walk to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Hopefully I can still walk. But yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's the other thing. I would love to see like college all-star games move to that facility because they'll have the practice fields, the indoor facilities to to do that. And so I, I'm not sure the senior bowl is gonna go anywhere, but maybe the East West Shrine Bowl game. I'd love to, you know, sit in an indoor facility, the combine, sit in an indoor facility and watch these future prospects. And if uh you know, I've gone up to Lambeau Field to see the Packers play the Lions to get that off my bucket list. Enjoyed the fuck out of it. And if it's two NFL teams having an exhibition game at this new stadium, I, I, I know I would enjoy it too. I love football that much. And to experience that at a stadium that I can say is ours, fucking A. I, I would say I would wa- enjoy just about anything other than Monster Truck Jam. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd enjoy that. This girl, one of the women I work with at my other job, is always watching soccer with Spanish commentating. And it just, it makes me want to kill somebody. It's so bad. <laughs> it's either that or America's Got Talent, which I think is like the worst show of it. One of the worst shows I've ever seen. She watches the worst television that I've ever been around any person in my life. Even when Howard Stern was uh, part of that AGT judging panel, it was awful, man. It is a terrible show. Uh, she also <laughs> watches that live PD shit. I got to work with her tonight. She'll fucking hog the TV too. She'll be watching neither live PD, <laughs> soccer, or Chicago Fire reruns, or America's Got Talent. And I hate all of those shows. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> all right, two true. Uh, you got a couple of names left on that uh, Hall of Fame list? Nope, just the 10. Okay, so that last one was uh, Justin uh, Tucker, Tucker, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. So. All right, let's talk about the, the world of movies and TV. Uh, Dan, uh, unless you want to share with us any great sex stories, Dan. No sex stories presently, uh, um, but lots of good masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a zone when it comes to masturbating. <laughs> I'm batting three fucking 40 this summer. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dan Sex Life now. Is him in a room with a light bulb message. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, nothing to report in that that aspect, and that, and that's okay. That's all right. Uh, Mr. Shorty wants to know: Do you use a flashlight when you masturbate? Uh, no, I've never used a flashlight. Oh wow, I've never have either. Um, don't you? Don't you have a, a flashlight modeled after the size of your penis? No, but I do have a flashlight story. Ooh, please do uh, share. <laughs> so it's like uh, a, a while back. Was like I had uh, I was helping uh, uh, helping my son move, you know, uh, out to Iowa when he came out here, and uh, you know, 
I, I found a fleshlight, you know, I thought it was his, you know, and I was like, what the hell? Like, all right, you know, but uh, his friends had given it to him as a gag gift. They were, they were helping move too. And they were like, gotcha. Okay. For a while I had thought that, you know, it was his. <laughs> How do you address that with your boy? <laughs> well, you don't. You did last summer. <laughs> you don't. You just say, make sure you follow the instructions carefully. <laughs> yeah. Don't use it yeah. in the tub. Don't use yeah, exactly. Don't use it in a tub. And if you're gonna take any uh enhancement uh medication for it uh make sure that thing is lodged to your penis <laughs> did you, you all gotta... ever encounter something dreadful nasty with your parents or something like walk in on them or hear them fucking or something horrible oh Thank yeah goodness, no fuck yeah <laughs> i mean too many to mention i would say probably the most embarrassing one is when i realized that the sheets that I was just wiping my hands off from the semen. I was, <laughs> that my, when my mom was washing the sheets, is that she had a pretty good idea that I was jerking off two, three nine days. <laughs> Didn't I just watch these? <laughs> I was, Why are these socks so stiff? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Dan Aguirre, you seen any uh, good movies? You've gone to the movie theaters since Oppenheimer? Or have you seen anything on the No, I haven't gone back. I was going to go watch the movie that I really like, Heather's, uh, the 35th anniversary. It was in the theater just because of that, but I didn't get to go to it. I overslept that day. But uh, yeah, I told you we uh, watched that that Fury. That was good. Uh, mm -hmm. The oh, winning time came back. I, I can't remember anything. It's it's like you've, It feels like you've been gone for a month now. I can't remember everything I've watched. Fury was that 1978? Yes, it was a Around diploma film. I had never watched it. Oh, so good. Let, let's George stay T. up with Scott. Who, who's the actor? The main actor? No, uh, James uh, Cassavetes, Mark Kirk John Douglas, okay. uh, Craig Stevens, um, and Amy Irving are the four leads in, in that. Uh, you know, let's right. stay on the topic of um, uh, Freakin, who uh, just passed yeah. away. Uh, uh, we want to get your thoughts uh, on him. We had a little text back and forth uh, mm -hmm. about this. And, uh, um, of course, I, I've been working on the, uh, the magazine, Life Exorcist. You know, so mm -hmm. I'm getting ready to release uh, the, the magazine to go to the printer and get it out on, you know, out on the newsstand. And mm -hmm. oh, we're pulling it back because this morning Friedkin passed away at 87. And uh, you know, then of course mm. I saw I saw Mike North's tweet about uh, how he uh, had met Friedkin, and, and I, it sounded like he interviewed him on the score. I don't remember that, but they both went to the same high school. Yeah, same uh, high school. And uh, Friedkin, I consider you know, one of the top directors. I mean, he's made like the two two of the movies with the top two best car chases ever in the French Connection and uh, To Live and Die in L.A. Like both those car. The car chase scenes are the top, and then Exorcist probably the number one most scary movie, if not if not number one, the top three. Yeah, yeah. I still think, think the best car chase was Bullet, in my yes. opinion. Yeah. But there's one I was looking through Fried, Friedkin's filmography to see if there was one like sneaky that I didn't see that I would like to watch, and I did. I found one from '87 with Michael Bayan, who was the the good guy in the Terminator film, the first one, he was in Aliens as well, the second mm -hmm. Aliens film. 
but it's called Rampage. I've never seen this. I, have you anyone seen it from '87? Directed by no. Friedkin. No, it was weird it, because it, that... he, he did Sorcerer too, didn't he? Uh, I watched uh, that yeah. with Aldo. Yeah, Aldo. Yeah, yeah. great movie. It, it's, it really is a great movie. It's a little bit of a tough watch because there's these long, you know, uh, sequences where it's just action and, and a rainforest and trucks and so forth. So it can be a little difficult to figure out what's going on, in my opinion, from time to time. But it's it really is a masterpiece like in the way it's shot and, and yeah. the, the structure of the story. I'm going to watch this Rampage film probably this weekend. Rampage, 1987, you say? Yeah, it's directed by Freakin. It didn't make any money. Uh, it only made like $796,000 versus a $7.5 budget. But wow. that doesn't mean it's not any good. You know, I want to check it out. Yeah, for sure. Roger Ebert yeah. gave it three stars. Look at that. Good old Raj. Um, my story with uh, William Freakin, when I, when I was uh, in high school, I, I was uh, in a filmmaking class at Roberto Clemente High School. And that was in 1977, thereabouts, when The Exorcist was released. And so, of course, all of us teenagers, that's all we could talk about. And uh, my school teacher in that class, you know, started sharing with us the story of William Friedkin and how he started his career here in Chicago and did a documentary on an African-American who was murdered in Chicago's inner city. And that movie became a uh, a, a hit, award-winning uh, t- television documentary. And then so I started following Friedkin's career you know, because he, he was a guy who, who went to Santa High School, not too far from my school, and he's got he put together a movie that I probably saw 15 times at the State Lake Theater in downtown Chicago, and every single time I was fucking ritter <laughs> watching wine, watching and throwing up almost as much as as the what was that movie? What was that? Uh, the 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 one that uh, the documentary was the people versus you got his IMDb. No, I saw oh, that one. I meant the one you said you saw over and over at the theater. Oh, that's uh, the, Exorcist. the Exorcist. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, and then and then after that, you know, I started reading books about him, and Steve Rosenblum, uh, who was a very successful film editor, started saying because Freakin did this uh, something at Minsky's movie. You you see that anywhere in, in your timeline there? I think it was uh, the people was just Paul Crump was the TV movie, and then he did a movie called uh, the, the Night They Raided Minsky's in 1968, and Rosenblum in his book talked about how uh, Friedkin was a bit of a challenge to work with, and really wanted things done his way and wasn't open to much collaboration and so forth, and then he got the job during the editing process for either boys in the band or the French connection and Friedkin said, let's just get this thing done. <laughs> I got bigger movies. To produce. <laughs> and so I, and I'll tell you in following his career and how he would talk about cinema and how he would talk about movies and his passion from and so forth. And, and some of the, the, He's a guy that, you know, like the making of the Godfather uh, miniseries on Paramount TV. That was so good. That was so good. I think you can make something like that with Friedkin's life on any almost any one of his projects. It would be uh, as thrilling as that. He's quite, quite the character. No doubt. That movie he made with Chevy was awful. I mean, just awful. Called Deal of the Century. 
Yeah, he made some clunkers, man. That and that was right after cruising. So I liked I'm, cruising. Yeah, I thought cruising was really good. You know, the only thing I didn't like is it felt a little rushed, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if the ambiguity was supposed to suggest that Pacino was the actual killer at the end, mm. or. I, I just didn't buy like Al suddenly because he's like, I'm starting to like men. I'm confused because I'm undercover. Like, does that really yeah. happen? Like, like I, I have think to it. where a bunch of guys are wearing leather, I'm not going to suddenly be like salivating to suck his dick. I just don't. That's the only two things. I would. <laughs> <laughs> Al becoming by because of it, I don't buy it, but maybe that was part of it saying that he was the killer the whole time. Cause at the end of it, it it's ambiguous, but it sort of, implies that Al got away with murder. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I, I'll have to watch it again to offer uh, an opinion on that. Um, I, I saw it uh, in its theatrical release in, what was that, 1980? Oh, wow, 80. So, yeah, I don't remember uh, to offer uh, a, a clear opinion on that. You know, one movie that he did that I almost for, always forget in his filmography is uh, Blue Chips, the movie with Penny Hardaway and Shaq O'Neal and Nick Dolte as, as their basketball coach. That's a pretty yeah. good movie. Really yeah. well done. I'm sorry, Tucci, you were going to say something? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, um, I know that uh, last week we had talked about the, uh, this is just something at work, although you probably have had this happen to you as well, too. When you have deadlines and stuff with, you know, whether it's advertising, marketing, or in my case, you know, printing magazines. Uh, Tony Bennett had passed away, and like Friday at three o'clock, you know, my boss comes and hey, can you work on Tony Bennett? You know, magazine. It's got to be done tonight. You know, three, mm-hmm. Friday at three o'clock p.m. You know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, all right, let's knock it out. You know, so. And then last Friday was the uh, we have there's a Time Barbie magazine too. <laughs> Same thing, three o'clock on Friday. You know, I'm thinking about, like, this Friday, I should, like, 3 o'clock, I'll be, like, you know, slip out or something. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe oh. not be at my desk at 3, but right. you know, sure. I don't know. But And then, you know, recently we had the, the exorcist. I had to pull it back and uh, get that uh, out again under, the, the you know, the, the deadline pressure. But uh, I did see a, think... a, a... I'm sorry. Go ahead, Danny. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. I don't want to step on you. Oh, did did you want to ask a question about the magazine? Yeah, well, I was going to ask. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you all about where there's a new Exorcist trilogy coming. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. If right. you're the producers of that film, Freakin's death is probably an un- unintended. Like, I mean, you don't want to say you're cheering, but man, it probably helps promote your film. Well, you know that's weird because weren't there uh, like weird yeah. incidences uh, that happened yeah. with cast members and production people associated with The Exorcist, and so now they yeah, announced it's, it. It, it's in the magazine. There's a few things like uh, uh, was it Vanessa Redgrave? Is that her name? The uh, Lynn Redgrave. Uh, who was Ellen the... Burstyn? Ellen, Ellen Burstyn. Burstyn. I'm sorry. Yeah. Ellen Burstyn was convinced that there were like sinister forces surrounding the movie with what uh, what had happened and stuff. I think. Uh, she 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 broke her arm in the movie when she was hit by a, a, in a stunt doing a stunt. Hmm. Uh, and I think it's in the magazine. But they're they're like Dan, Danny said. There's there's going to be a new trilogy. Uh, it's not a remake though, right, Danny? No, it's like the same company that brought brought us those Halloween films recently. That trilogy right. they bought all they bought the the rights to it and have already written it out. I think they've already shot all three. And Ellen Burstyn is in all three of them. 
Yeah, and I heard that. Blair said that they didn't even contact her. She said, I wish them well, but no one asked me. So maybe that was just her like, you know, oh, I don't want people to know I'm actually going to show up in the third one or something. But she claimed on, uh, on Twitter or X, whatever, that uh, she wasn't even invited to take part in the trilogy. Yeah, I, I forgot they, they they chose the location where it was filmed. I want to say it was in Maryland, where the movie that was I don't filmed. Know. Uh, My ex-wife was at that house though, and uh, where they shot they had, the original one, like, she did a, a a tour thing there where she was at the steps and all that shit where the the priests come down. They could have yeah, they could have uh, they, the the state where they filmed the movie had had laxer uh, child labor laws. They could get Linda Blair. You know, on the film, you know, mm. there was another part in the magazine where uh, he kept the room at like 32 degrees Fahrenheit, so that that you could visibly see their breaths. The priests, yeah, and if they you know, they would and, shoot for like three or four minutes, and then body right. heat would eliminate. They cut, yeah. cut. It's got to be cold again. Cut, like today, happen. they would CGI that shit in there, but he wanted yeah. the real, actual breath. Yep, it yeah, took 25 and... minutes to uh, to cool the room back down to freezing. You know, so they yeah. act, and and Linda Blair was just wearing a nightgown. Mm -hmm. That was it. Yeah, she didn't do a lot of those demonic things. They like if you watch right. the there's extended makings of yep. and stuff. William freaking really babied her. Like, yeah, the her name was something Deets because my boss here at radio's yeah. name's Ken Deets, so I remember that. But all the gory, gory stuff Linda really didn't do, and he was super. Like I said, I say baby, it sounds negative, but he was so conscientious of her being a kid. You can see it on set that he was very nice to her and always talked to her like it was his daughter and stuff versus yep. cussing out the rest of the cast. He Good didn't think him. the movie could be made freaking until he until he met Linda Blair. Then he said, I could do this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's in the mail. I'll send you a copy of the magazine. Yeah. That'd be nice. Uh, guys, we're up against that clock. Uh, I, do have yeah, I, I did see a good movie real quick. I saw the remake of White Men Can't Jump, which I enjoyed. Yeah, uh, how's that? On yeah, Hulu, I enjoyed it, man. It was funny. It was good. You know, it's a sports movie that you can, you know, you can enjoy if you like the Woody and and uh, Wesley movie, which I consider really good. One of the better sports movies. Uh, this one is, is it's almost as good. I mean, it's not the original, but it had a good story, and there was a it was pretty darn funny. You know, the, both both the two actors who reprised the roles of Woody and Wesley are really good. Mm -hmm. That's on. Yeah, just real quickly, uh, the Lincoln Lawyer season two, uh, all ten episodes are out now. Uh, it, it's okay. It really, you know, when I watch these features that are on pet, uh, Netflix and Hulu and stuff, premium services, it should not feel like a broadcast TV. Uh, type of television show something that you could find on abc nbc and cbs and that was the feeling i got through all 10 episodes my wife wanted to see it and uh you know she's clearly in love with the mexican-american actor uh who is uh the lead in that uh matthew mcconaughey played him uh played the character in the feature film and it's entertaining um uh but I um, I'm glad it's over. I'm, I'm glad I got the ten episodes under my belt, and we can move on to watching yep. some porn. <laughs> we have uh, uh, shout shout outs. Yeah, go ahead. Quick shout outs. And uh, I want to, of course, shout out Aldo for coming back, and glad you're okay. Uh, I was really worried, you know, <laughs> for for a while. And uh, I want to shout out uh, one of my former colleagues in uh, coaching in Hanover Park passed away at the age of 44. Ricky Bell was a legendary football coach, Hampton Park Hurricanes, coached my son 
the dude never lost a game. My son mm. played two seasons. They were undefeated. They were killing teams 28 nothing, 44 nothing. Uh, great coach passed away in his sleep at 44. Uh, just uh, tragic. I would like to come in for this for the uh, the service on Saturday. I don't know if I'll be able to make it. But a uh, uh, legendary coach in Hanover Park, Illinois, Ricky Bell. Rest in peace. Oh, uh, that's a great shout out. Uh, Mr. Dan Aguirre, you want to shout out any of your bitches? I'm just glad to see you, man. I'm just glad <laughs> I, I to see he coached, you. Uh, he coached Vinny for <laughs> BC, too, uh, although. Oh, really? Is that right? Oh, one oh. of Vinny's coaches, too. So I'll, I'll mention that to Vinny. So Dan Aguirre shouts out his number one bitch, me. <laughs> no, I'm just glad to see you. Glad to see a text from you. Glad to hear your voice, man. Not trying to be yep. dramatic, but no, like I said, I, I care about you. So, I mean, the fact that uh, you're hurt, that I worry about you. So I'm yeah. glad that you you were here. You were going to do one hour, and then wouldn't you know it, you did two and a half. So How about that? Yeah. Yep. This has uh, been a great tonic. Uh, better than taking that uh, narcotic no-core. Holy the shit. <laughs> or the Tell me about it. Oh my God. Um, any shout out? Any other shout outs, Dan? Uh, that, that's it, man. I'm just glad you're back. And unfortunately, I got to go. I got to get to to my, my all job. All right, Danny. So, I'll yeah. talk to you later, too. Are right, you all be well? It was good. It was a great show. All right, everyone. And uh, I just want to shout out all of you who have joined us live and those who will be uh, watching or listening on demand. Thank you very much. Uh, our uh, Bears programming is going to continue. I think. Uh, tomorrow, uh, besides Barlon Hockey Talk in the afternoon, talking, of course, NHL hockey and, and what's happening internationally, uh, Mac and Reed, I believe, are going to be on tomorrow night, and they're going to cover some uh, great bear stuff. And if you missed today's Gabriel Talks football, Ross Reed yeah. filled in for me, yeah. and they had a great football discussion. I saw, so I saw it. I turned it on. I'm like, Aldo looks really younger. <laughs> He's come out of surgery looking really good. <laughs> What the hell? Again, I wouldn't dream what that was. Uh, indeed. Love you, Heidi. Thousand shout outs, she says uh, to us. And so, uh, but yeah, it, it is, um, you know, when you do something like this, Tooch knows very well, when you're doing something like this from your home, uh, you don't have that face to face interaction with people, but uh, they reach out to you and, and let you know that you've made a difference in their life. With yep. the, the stuff we talk about, the stuff we cover, the laughs we provided, the debates we've started, and stuff like that. It's very, very heartwarming, and it uh, just uh, reamplifies why I love doing this and why I love you all for being a part of the Barroom family. So I love you, John Santucci. I love Danny <laughs> Aguirre. I'm so, I'm I so happy you're okay. Thank you very much. Um, we'll, lot, we'll, we'll see you all soon. Okay, take care. All right. Thank you.